Drive All Night is supported by listeners like you. To find out how you can help, please visit patreon.com slash songsoftoriamus. There you'll learn what exciting rewards we're offering for your support. Again, that's patreon.com slash songsoftoriamus to help us continue to make high quality and Torytainment for you. Hey everybody, you're listening to Drive All Night, the songs of Tori Amos. We are your hosts, I'm Ephraim Jr. And I'm David Anderson. And on today's episode, we're talking about Northern Lad, the ninth track from Tori's fourth album, From the Choir Girl Hotel. Had a Northern Lad Northern Lad is, is probably the love song in the record. You gotta have one of those, I guess, on every record. Yeah. Yeah, I know it was in that. Yeah. How his knees could bend. I thought we'd be okay. Me and my molest. Hello, David. Well, hello, Eve. How are you? Long time no chat. I know. I'm doing pretty well. Pretty weird, too, but also pretty well. You're doing pretty well in this time of great upheaval and change? I am. I am slowly turning into Laura Ingalls Wilder. Let me tell you why. My internet has been down. My TV died. I'm basically, without technology, I am actually reading by candlelight. Not right this second, but I've been reading by candlelight. So, Have you really been? Yeah. It's like Little wow. House on the Prairie. Laura Ingalls did a lot of high-intensity sports drills, right? She like hiked up her uh. gingham skirt and jumped rope because that's what I, yeah, I'm I doing that did. too. That show is a little bit before my time and I know a little before your time so <laughs> yeah you're right but I remember it being in reruns and my sister actually went to school with a girl who appeared on Little House on the Prairie so maybe that's mm-hmm. why I know a little bit more about it <laughs> have you been otherwise besides the reading by candlelight besides technology shutting down on you How's your heart? I've been okay. Pretty much same old, same old. Other than in preparation for Northern Lad, I decided I needed to do some research. So I got myself on some dating apps to research some lads. I, you know, I method. I throw myself into it. Let's not mess around. I need to know what she's talking about. What is she talking about? I think she is lamenting the fact that so many men love hiking and taking their dogs Mm. hiking, which is pretty Mm -hmm, much all that mm -hmm. anyone seems interested in doing. You've unlocked it. Thank you. Are we done? Episode over. I can eat now? Now it's time for the live (laughs) section. I'm really excited about this episode, particularly because at some point in this album cycle, I said something about Northern Lad being in my two least favorite tracks. Yes. Every song on this album is a masterpiece. Every song on this album is a gem. I love every track. But if I had to categorize them, if I had to put them in order of my favorite, I would have put Northern Lad close to the bottom with Jackie's Strength. Mm. Only because, you know how I like that rhythm, you know how I like that beat. I like it when it gets messy, when it gets dirty. And these two are more the classic ballads, right? And at the time in my life that this album dropped, I was not ready for a classic love song. I needed to dance. I needed to sway my hips. 
perhaps. Yes, of course. But this does have a little bit of rhythm. I sort of object to this song being called a ballad in the traditional sense, but it is. It has been referred to by Tori herself, I think, and at least in sort of the press promotion for the album. So, Well, that's fine because since I did on whatever episode it was where I called it one of my two least favorite tracks, since then, Northern Light has come to haunt me and I have fallen in love with the song and there is no better song in my life right now to sing while I'm in the shower than Northern Lad. When you're only wet. What? Oh my God. <laughs> that sounded a little like when doves cry or something. I don't know what was happening there. <laughs> yeah, but... it's my own personal mashup. It's my shower mashup. I think Tori would approve of that. You take a cover and you make it your own. Thank so... you. <laughs> I love this song. I It has shot up my own personal charts 22 years later. Well, I'm excited to take this journey with you then. I don't know where we go as far as you're concerned. There's nowhere to go if you've already fallen in love with the song. Can you fall more deeply and intimately in love with Northern Lad? Maybe. We'll see. Can I? That will be the challenge I extend to myself, I guess, because I would also place this near the bottom of my list. If push came to shove, and doesn't it always? No one's shoving here. We're all very respectful and maintaining a distance of six feet. <laughs> what? So you would put this at the bottom as well? Yes, but not with Jack Hay's strength. I would put it near the bottom with a raspberry swirl. Wow. So with that in mind, then, maybe I can help you Push this up the charts. I would love that because my chart has never been pushed. We're always pushing your chart. So yeah. if I can take a swing at it, that'd be great. You relax and let me do the heavy lifting. Okay. I'm actually <laughs> just started like toggling my neck back and forth. I'm getting loose, rotating my shoulders. Okay. Shaking out your arms, yeah. stretching your legs. Yeah. <laughs> Should we talk about our guests on today's episode? I love having people over. On this episode, we have Shay Stymack here to explain her controversial train of thought when it comes to Northern Lad. You're not going to believe this, David. Oh, man. I can't I even imagine. Away. I won't give it away, but I do find validity in it, and that's why she's on today. And we also have Kathleen Patrone. If anyone owns this song in my heart, in my mind, it's Kathleen Patrone oh. from the 2017 tour. Specifically from 2017? Okay. Can't wait to hear about that. That's a full roster. But I did reach out to Stuart Boyle, who played guitar on this track, but he was unavailable available for comment whatever that means try to perk up we've got an entire episode to make it through <laughs> perk up it's the beginning of the show but it's the end of the day we're actually recording this at night i was gonna say that late after hours but whenever i say that you usually make fun of me because it's all of 9 p.m but <laughs> it's about my bedtime <laughs> well night is different than after hours this is not my after hours my after hours will start when we're done <laughs> oh boy steamy that's when i'll find my northern lad mm -hmm. i actually did invite a northern lad onto the show the northern lad that I've had a crush on forever Who? for 15 years. Peter Doyle from London, UK. And? He said no. He said no? <laughs> he said, I I'm afraid I wouldn't be very interesting. Oh, boy. God, not with that attitude you won't be. Seriously. <laughs> at least try. Put in like the smallest amount of effort, just like a man. Uh, no, I love you, Peter Doyle. Too bad. Oh, well. <laughs> Should we talk about our Patreon supporters? I need some support. We get by with a little help from our friends. And let's say hello to our new friends. First, there's Jason and Schlemmer. I know how it is for people to butcher your last name, so I hope I didn't butcher your last name, Jason. I am my father's Jason. Ryan Brooks came in and upped his pledge. Thank you, Ryan. Good Lord willing and the Brooks don't rise. Eric Lane jumped up to the $10 level. Thank you, Eric. Did Eric Lane call, by the way? Hello to new patron Ray Coleman. Are you Ray? Are you blue? Hello to new patron Fred. All the Fred are coming. I hear they'll be supporting us via Patreon. Thanks, all the Freds, especially that one. <laughs> New patron David Merrimore. I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. Nice mm. to see you. Thank you. Quote the David Merrimore. 
Peter Zimmerman upped his pledge to the $10 level. Okay. Hello, sister. Hello. I was getting scared for a second to think that one of our besties was not a supporter. It's like, who can we <laughs> depend on then? At first, I was going to say Sister Blister, but now it's Sister Kister. Mm, sister, my blister. I miss you, Peter. We have new patron, Coral Schnipper, who is an amazing artist, by the way. And I want you to check out toriamisdiscography.info so you can get a peek at her incredible digital work. You can get it on t-shirts as well on their Redbubble store, which I have the YKTR print on black. And it's one of my favorite t-shirts of all time. Hmm. So nice to see you, Coral. Measure quick, spin then schnippert. Sorry, that's a deep cut. <laughs> Does that even... What's that from? Benjamin. <laughs> Why do I know that? I hate myself. Oh. <laughs> Catherine McManus, another incredible artist, she upped her pledge, and I want you to follow her on Patreon as well. You can find her Patreon at Catherine's Photographs, Catherine with a C, and she sends you these incredible photo packs. You can subscribe to her Patreon. You know what I love? Artists having babies? Babies having artists? <laughs> no. My favorite Jack Handy from Saturday Night Live quote was... Oh, deep thoughts. I believe... Yeah, my favorite deep thought was, I believe in making the world safe for our children, but not for our children's children, because I don't believe that children should be having sex. Timeless. <laughs> yes. <laughs> actually, I actually remember that. Do <laughs> you think Catherine will McBanus if I reuse McFanis? Because I've said that before. <laughs> yes, I okay. think she might. Rightfully so. Uh, we want to say hello to our new patron, Fiona. Just Fiona. Fetch the boat Ooh. cutters and release the funds. I don't know which Fiona it is. There's plenty of Fionas out there to choose from. Let's just assume. Um, Whoever it is, it's the best Fiona. Yeah. <laughs> May the best Fiona win. Hello to new patron Jody Rogstad. Do you think Jody's still wearing that hat, even though it hasn't rained for at least six days? Probably more like 60. 19 years. <laughs> hasn't rained for 19 God. years in six days. <laughs> Hello to Mr. Smith, new patron. Hi, Mr. Hello, Mr. Smith goes to Patreon. <laughs> no. <laughs> Hello to new patron Heath McCormack. Sup, Heath. You're so street suddenly. Suddenly, I know. Sup. And last but certainly not least, we'd like to say hello to our newest patron, Kim Z. Kim, I know I'm absolutely going to butcher your last name, so I'm not even going to try it. But if you want to email us, songsatoriamiss at gmail.com, then you can give me a pronunciation guide and I'll try again. With your Kims and your Zs, we'll do one more and we'll remember your last name if we <laughs> learn we'll how to right pronounce it. Time. Yeah. And to everybody out there who has remained a patron through this long summer, we want to say thank you so much. At the beginning of quarantine, we were producing a lot and we needed to take a break. There was a lot of like life stuff that crept up, but I can reassure you and you, David, I can reassure the audience and the co-host as well that we will finish Choir Girl before the end of the year. How do you feel about that, David? Damn this lousy wolf. But we're gonna get there by the end of the calendar year. We will have completed the album, and we'll also. I can. I'm gonna up the ante, David. I'll. Sh I'll show. I'll see your choir girl, and I'll raise you a little earthquakes on Patreon. Oh my God! What about the choir girl B sides? Should we just go nuts? I, I think that we'll even get into the wrap up episodes. I think that we should strive by the end of the year to have the last two episodes of Little Earthquakes done and the wrap up, and the last two episodes, three episodes of Choir Girl done and the wrap up. Mm, That's I, seven I, episodes I like it. in I like three it. months. We're gonna get it done. Okay. <laughs> we, you know, we're, it's the last quarter of the year. What are we going to do? I mean, where are you going for Halloween? Nowhere. Nine, so, okay. Well, sorry. Right. You really want to start Calm that down. conversation? Calm down. You want this episode <laughs> to be five hours long? Okay. Um, thanks to everybody. And for those who don't know and those who do, don't forget to check out our daily show, Never Shut Up. We produce five days a week on that show as well. We'd also, of course, like to say thank you to Shay Stymack. She put together our show notes. She puts together our show notes for all our episodes, and she's golden. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Shay. 
You change like Shager Kane. Mm, mm-hmm. Good one, good one. She moves like the Shane set. Shane set. <laughs> Me and my molasses. <laughs> I love to shake with places. <laughs> because of the shake. Oh my God, please go all out. Try to hit that note. And then I'm going to ask you to do Take Out of Me by Aha after that. Well, you ready to get this lad up and moving? <laughs> I sure am. Ready as I'll ever be. Start the car. This is our first cover of the episode. This is the Spiels Auto Heart with their cover of Northern Lad. Get ready. Had a Northern Lad. Well, not exactly had. He moved like the sunset. God who painted that. First, he loved my accent. How his knees could bend I thought we'd be okay Me and my molasses And I feel something is wrong And I, I feel this cake still isn't done And don't say Sad if you, yes, could see me now Guys, you got to know When it's time to turn the page When you're only wet Because of the rain Because to give you props for your lyrics I mean like uh, um, this song where you sing uh, uh, something about when you only get wet because of the rain I like the way how you how you sing about uh, sexual sexuality without being so blatantly obvious about it uh, that's good <laughs> I is there a, I mean is there a reason for that well I think there's so many different emotions that come up in a situation sometimes it's very spiritual and yet you don't think that would be the first response to something like sometimes I'm watching um, a football match uh, I don't mean I don't mean American football mm -hmm. I do mean football soccer and um, I'm not necessarily thinking about about um, it in a physical way or a sexual way. Sometimes I'm seeing it's like another way instead of men having war they've decided to have this expression. So sometimes when I'm having This is a very long-winded answer. I'm sorry, Paula, but the point is sexuality crops up like when I'm eating an avocado sometimes. It's not proper, but you go, 
this is warm and it's melting in my mouth and I feel safe and um, I feel alive. And then you get a sensual, passionate response. And yet moments when you think I'd have a sensual, passionate response, you know, I'm drawing a geometric shape in my head. Don't tell my boyfriend that. <laughs> Don't worry, I won't. I'll edit it out. <laughs> Northern Light appears as track nine on From the Quagro Hotel with drums by Matt Chamberlain. Bass by Papa George Porter Jr. Electric guitar by Stuart Boyle. And Busendorfer and vocal by Tori Amos. Thoughts, David? Stuart Boyle, very interesting and so rare that we see a guitar track not credited to one Steve Caton, right? Especially at this point, yes. Yeah. Yes, ma'am. So let's play a little from our interview with Caton about the guitar players. I think this may be from the cutting room floor. I can't actually remember if this appeared in the interview, and I didn't want to go through and listen to all of the published interviews. So here, this may be from the cutting room floor. Someone out there, tell me if you've heard this before. Well, I got a call. I got a call from Spivak mm-hmm. before I was leaving for Choir Girl, and he says, "Caden, we just want to let you know it's not because we don't love what you do, and it's not that we don't love you." But we're going to try some different guys. Guitarists. So, yeah, he was not the first one to come record Choir Girl. Interesting. It is interesting. You know, when you're in a new relationship with someone, like, I really believe Stuart Boyle is a huge guitar player from the Christians, which is a band in the UK. And I imagine that Mark obviously probably admired him and wanted to get, who knows, maybe they're going for a different sound. Maybe they're going for a, like a hard electro edge. Yeah. And, you know, like any kind of relationship, no matter how amazing both people are, sometimes you're just not a match. Exactly. You know, you're going to hire one scenic designer to do a specific kind of set and a different scenic designer to do a different kind of set, you know? And in terms of musicians yeah. specifically, she's talked about that with Manu Ketche, right? And him telling yeah. her that even though, you know, he's obviously a very, very talented drummer, he wasn't necessarily the best match for her. And he was willing to mm-hmm. point that out. And he was aware of that himself. Like, no, 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 I don't think I'm the guy. It's not about how skilled you are. It's about being able to communicate. So to vibe. You want to vibe. Yeah. You don't want to be peeping in at me through a window standing up on a barrel. <laughs> Could you imagine? Yeah. <laughs> so when was the first time you ever heard Northern Lad? The first time I heard Northern Lad was in my car listening to a bootleg recording of the album <laughs> pre-release. Is this the one that Dor found? Yes. How about you? Must have been the day that I got the album, May 5th, 1998, Mm. in the United States. Mm -hmm. A day that will live in infamy. I venture that it was right after I heard She's Your Cocaine for the first time. Seems right. Sandwiched between that and Hotel. The song that would forever change my life. This song appears on From the Choir Girl Hotel, obviously, released on May 4th, 1998 in the UK, and May 5th, 1998 in the US. Apparently, this song also appears, and I didn't learn this until Shea Stymac illuminated it for us on this note document that it appears on a movie soundtrack called Snowcake. Mm. Have you heard of this movie? I don't think so, but it sounds delicious. Snowcakes. Snowcakes Snow from, from France. France. Ooh, jinx. Oh. <laughs> this movie stars a lot of notable people. It stars Sigourney Weaver. Really? Yeah. No. Isn't she one of your favorites? Yeah, of course. I feel shamed yeah. for not knowing this. And she sings in the movie as well. She sings? She sings in the movie. On the soundtrack, there's a song called Deep in the Heart of Texas, performed by Sigourney Weaver. This is all very strange. You know how she got out of her jam in Amsterdam by saying she was on a CD with Phil Collins? Phil Collins, of 
course, yeah. Somewhere, some border patrol agent who is obsessed with Sigourney Weaver thinks Tori Amos is cool. I was going to say, Tori could get out of a jam with me by name dropping Sigourney Weaver. <laughs> so it's on that, and it actually gets really good placement in the movie, and they play a big chunk of it. It's during a, a sex scene between Alan Rickman and not Sigourney Weaver. Here's the scene from the movie. <laughs> It's been a while. Sorry if it was a bit quick. I think the dog might have put me off. <laughs> it's okay. We have all night. So why are you going to Winnipeg? You ask a lot of questions. Do I? I'm going to meet an old friend. Hmm. A friend friend or a friend friend. I should go. I won't mention her again, I promise. Why didn't you just fly straight there like a normal person? Well, I thought I'd drive taking some of the lakes. It didn't look far on the map. <laughs> powerful, powerful stuff. The song also appears on Tales of Librarian, the DVD portion from the live sound check that was recorded in November, December 2003. That's when it was released. And let's listen to that. also appears on Four Legs and Boots from the 2007 American Doll Posse Tour. Syracuse, Boston, Cleveland, and Phoenix. What do you think about that, David? I feel like this song plays a little hide-and-seek. It's like, no, no, you cannot see me. I will be on Tales of a Librarian, but only on the Soundcheck DVD. And it's Snowcake, a movie you've never heard of before. <laughs> I sure know it. Let's talk about this song. Okay. Should we get into the quotes? Let's quote it. I need some insight into the song because I'm going to tell you up front, I've always been a little confused by the narrative yeah i think i have been too this song has like that weird there's a inherent dichotomy in this song that makes me feel like i can't classify it as a love song even though she talks about it being to her husband yes so, and she just and she married him that year so wouldn't it be like the most amazing love song? like shouldn't this be never seen blue like something like that caliber it feels like a breakup song right it sure does yes it's so confusing. It's, I'm so confused. It's very confusing. And she refers to him as a northern lad, and she makes it very clear that she is, in fact, talking about Mark. But then she spends a lot of time talking about the fact that he grew up in Cornwall, which is as far south as you can get. Well, compared to where she grew up, it's pretty north. 
That's what Priya told me. My friend Priya, when I said, Peter Doyle won't be on my show, she said, well, he's not a northern lad. He's from the south. I'm like, Priya, it's all north to us. That's not exactly true. I feel like it doesn't count if you're talking about a completely different country or continent or anything. You don't think she referred to him as a northern lad because he was from up north, UK? No, unless he was from the North Pole, I don't think that counts. That's ridiculous. <laughs> like, no one thinks of England as the north if you're from the US. You think of it as east, right? Mm. So, mm. what do you think? She, so, you, an you eastern think she just... lad doesn't sound as good. <laughs> do you think she's referring to some sort of emotion of being a northern lad, like being cold, being a cold person? Or do you think that she, she just called him a northern lad because he's from the UK. You think this is that thing where she thinks she's being more opaque than she actually is and she's like, wink nudge, had a northern lad. We know who I'm talking about, but they'll never crack the yeah. code if I say northern when he was actually from the south. Well, Mark does not like to be talked about. So yes. We're going to have to tread very lightly in this episode to respect his boundaries. Okay. We'll just call him husband. Okay. But I'm glad that we feel the same way. Like we both have that strange like feeling about the song, like it walking two lines, right? Yes, exactly right. But And if you pair this song with another song called Wild Way, which is also for her husband, which is also a love song. The first line of that song is, I hate you. Mm-hmm. So... <laughs> What is going on? Well, but then she undoes it in Chocolate Song by saying, I don't hate you. Satiny, luscious chocolate. A roller coaster. I can't keep up. And we have to believe that in terms of sequencing on Choir Girl, well, we know that sequencing doesn't matter and we could just hit shuffle and whatever, whatever, whatever. There's no story. There's no narrative. But it is a little odd that this song follows Jackie's strength, which is about her wedding day, right? If we were mm-hmm. going to craft a narrative, it would probably make more sense for Northern Lad to come before Jackie's strength. But no one, no one's Why? making sense Ex- around here. Explain that to me. Why you would think that? Well, I feel like this is pre-marriage, kind of an ode to him and to their relationship, and maybe some of the what reads to us as breakup is kind of paired with some of the sentiment in Hotel or even Jackie's strength, where she's looking back on prior relationships as she sort of experiences Mm -hmm. this great transitional period in her life. Mm -hmm. I don't know. That's why we're here. Well, it always has made sense to me. If anything has made sense, which very little does, but if anything made sense to me, this being after Jackie's strength certainly made sense to me. And this being right before Hotel certainly made sense to me too. With the sort of twist and turns that happen in Hotel that cause her to gasp for air and say, I'm still alive after all that I've been through. It feels like the marriage is just the beginning of the story. Jackie's strength is just the beginning of the story. And then you've got, the, I know there's no narrative. I know you can hit shuffle like you said. I know it all. But we are human beings. We craft narratives. We want to make sense of things. And so it made sense that this song, they got married and now they're like having trouble. I suppose. And you're so right. My brain is always trying to sort of impose order on things <laughs> and make sense of it. And, you know, a Tory lyric or a Tory song is not the place to do that. And, you know, we'll get into it with the line by line. But I'm thrown off by the first verse of the song, which is had a northern lad but not exactly had it's like you're married make up your mind what does that mean like, make up your mind. like you can't actually no no you cannot possess me you can't actually have him or i don't know you can't pin someone I, down more so than marrying them or can you i have like a thought on that line that we can talk about at the line by line for sure because i've wrestled with that line my whole life it had a northern lad not exactly had well you've literally just torn down everything you've built up yeah like why 
why say that first line then? You're driving me crazy. It's almost like she was building and tumbling down. Hmm. Ooh, like building a building? No. Like building a noun, like a thing? It is, nothing, it is it nothing like that whatsoever. Yeah, yeah, I think that's what it was. So now that we've proved that one in my favor, let's get to the quotes. Would you like to read from Alternative Press, July 1998? I sure would. The most heart-wrenching of the bunch is Northern Lad, a gorgeous ballad of lost love, but with a tough-minded, erotic core. Girl. What? Erotic? It's hardcore. Girl, you've got to know when it's time to turn the page, sings Amos, when you're only wet because of the rain. Is that erotic to you? Hold on. Okay. Is that erotic to you? Just curious, out of curiosity. The line, when you're only wet because of the rain? Yes. Well, I guess technically it brings to mind one's erogenous zone. I don't personally find it erotic. Erotic to me means something that could turn you on, and that is definitely not a turn on. (laughs) Only because it makes me sad, if anything. Me too. Okay, that's what, yeah. All right. My heart goes out to where that song comes from. She says, it's very much about thinking you were loved for who you were and realizing you weren't and realizing maybe you don't love yourself. The line, I guess you go too far when pianos try to be guitars, is just about never being enough. I felt that with my instrument sometimes, wanting to be Jimmy Page. You can only be you. A lot of times, it's never enough for people. Interesting. About thinking you were loved for who you were and realizing you weren't and realizing maybe you don't love yourself. Hmm. I venture to say, and we said it on the last episode, no Tori Amos song is about one thing or one person, right? Yes, we did say that. I mean, maybe there are a few songs that are about one person, but I don't think this necessarily is. And I think this kind of possibly is the song that encapsulates not only the ending of the one relationship with the beginning of the next one, with the going from what you thought was your soulmate to going to who is your soulmate. So possibly it encapsulates both of those. And so possibly that can explain a little bit more of the sour notes in the song or the sour tones in the song. I think so. You must be right. And can I also say, I realize that life is kind of a never-ending journey. You're never done. You never reach the finish line. You're telling me. That is none hard. Like, are we there yet? That is never more true than when it comes to self-acceptance. And we can't hold Tori to an unrealistic or a different standard than we would anyone else. Nevertheless, I have a hard time believing that she's still saying stuff like realizing maybe you don't love yourself. After Boys for Pele, you're not going to love yourself after that. Like, what hope do any of us have? It's hard. It is a never-ending journey, and that's for sure. And especially, like, if you go through, I imagine, especially if you go through something really traumatic that changes you fundamentally, then you've got to rediscover all your healing modalities that you used prior, right? Those would have to change too, I imagine. That's true. And we have to keep in mind too that there are probably multiple threads happening in the song. And maybe there's some of the miscarriage narrative of Choir Girl happening here too in terms of her sort of questioning her worth as a woman. And her her ability to carry or bring forth life and that this isn't necessarily just about a relationship. That makes sense to me. This is from WBCN, November 17th, 1998. Bill asks her, how do you think being married is going to change any of your songwriting? And she says, well, he's inspired stuff, you know, already. We won't get into it. He does not, all caps, does not like to be talked about. That's another deal. Guess we'll see, won't we, Bill? <laughs> no, nobody wants happy musicians. We all know that. I think the thing is, you. Uh, there's a certain point where, as a songwriter, I never answer questions, not even to him. He knows it. I do not explain the songs. I have to have sort of anonymity. So you just imagine if you were married to me, and I come on with something about me snaking around, and you might go, hey, is this based on, do I need to like um be worried about it? 
anything, you know? Checking to see if there were another coat or pair of socks around the house. You know what I'm saying? I can't answer these questions as a songwriter to anybody. Like, my friends will say, well, what is this about? I can't! You can't really go there because you you get in really big trouble if you start answering those questions. Thank you. Thank oh, you. That was amazing. Let's all pause Thank for you. a moment to really take that in. <laughs> if we don't win a streamy award this season, mm. it's rigged. <laughs> Russian interference. I want a potty. I want a potty award. Can we just address the fact that Tori supposedly does not talk about her songwriting with him? Do we think that's true to this day? It has to Do we be. think it was ever true? It has to be true. I staunchly believe it's true. I imagine her going in, and we know obviously he's intimately involved in every step of the process, particularly when it comes to recording. Do we think she's sitting there performing a song like Wild Way, as you brought up, or even Shattering Sea, kind of raising her eyebrow, daring him to question her? Like what? Are you going to, you, don't do it. Don't ask that the song is about you. I think that they have made, probably my guess is that they have made long ago a silent deal. Like even in the story of Wild Way, she tells the story that she's playing it in the studio and he's recording it in the booth and they're looking at each other, but never a word was exchanged. That makes me uncomfortable said, just hearing it. <laughs> they were staring at each other across through the glass. And finally he said, I hate you too, wife. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> That's a true story. He I know. Said that to her. No, I know. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm thinking they've probably made a, some sort of deal, some sort of arrangement, because how could you? How could you, A, as a person, be with an artist who is so open and, and vulnerable in her own writing and like confessional in a way, clearly writes from her experiences? You probably know what she's writing about in like certain instances, you know, but then you might not want to know another. So you, I have to believe that that's true. Maybe there's a little bit of willful ignorance happening on husband's part here. He's like, no, she's just a storyteller. No. Or maybe not. Maybe she does explain everything. Maybe he sits her down. What is this about? Why do you say, why can't daddy leave his war outside? No, smoke to cry. Maybe at this point he demands to be written into songs. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> He's like, no, do one, do, one, do one about me. Do one about me. Let's listen to this from the Rosie O'Donnell show on December 22nd, 1998. Congratulations on getting married. Thank you. You're welcome. Tori got married. No, I remember you telling me that you didn't think you'd ever get married. Never. No. No, never. Surprise. Big surprise. Yeah. I dropped my teacup. He asked me, and uh, I thought we were just going to have tea. He's British, so, you know, they do that sort of thing. Yes. And we were sitting there having it, He's, and he asked me, he said, I want to know, oh, he doesn't want me to talk, but he said, um, I want to know what you're going to be like going down to the garden when you're 80. What a sweet thing to say. Yeah. And is that right when you dropped it right there? I dropped it. Yeah. And did you think, well, would you like to be there seeing it? Or are you just wondering, you know? Yeah. Did, you, did that cross your mind? Because I'm so insecure, I'd be like, well, maybe he doesn't mean with me. Yeah. Maybe he's just wondering in general how people age, you know? Yeah, he, but then he said, I want you to, I want you to be my wife. I mean, oh. Wife, wow. Then I dropped it. Now, are you able to say that when you refer to him, my husband? Does that come naturally to you? Or? Husband. Yeah. yeah. Does I, it? I call him, yeah. Husband, yeah. hi, it's me, <laughs> Tori. Yeah. Did you get to go on a honeymoon? Wasn't wasn't um, really a honeymoon because we kept getting interrupted by so, work stuff. By work, because yeah. the record was just about we were just finishing it and um, everybody started calling because they needed approvals and stuff. Right. And at a certain point, it was just about oh my god, we were really intruded on. Yeah. So you're gonna get time, I hope, to take another one. Sometime soon. Yeah, he says that, uh, like every day we get a day off. He'd say, mmm, cashing in on the no honeymoon. 
So that's, well, that's kind of sweet. Oh, well, that's sweet. That's a sweet story. Yeah. Do you want someone to tell you they want to know what you're like when you're 80 years old, wandering down to the garden, drinking tea? I think I do. I think I do. Yes. <laughs> I'm glad. Why don't you read this from Ur Magazine? Speaking of hot, this was on September 18th, 1999. Oh my, my God. Day. The hottest date of all. <laughs> the day one Eve Jr. came rocketing into the world. It's just how you look at marriage. You can look at it like the sitcoms on TV show it, but you can also see it like ancient mythology. Oh boy. A contract with another soul. Well, my idea of marriage is different from the stuff I saw on American television. Many women turn into some kind of a non-person after they're married, as if they're cut out of some housewife's magazine. I see marriage as an exciting and dangerous adventure. It is like I've entered into another solar system. Emotionally, I'm on a journey in space. What shall I find here? I'm now more than ever fascinated by the dark side of the human spirit. I want to look at what is hidden. Well, suffice to say, she was deep into the press for Venus at that point. So there's like a lot of spacey talk. She went through a wormhole. Mm -hmm. She went through a marriage wormhole. But I do see like she's now more than ever fascinated by the dark side of the human spirit and what can that possibly mean for a relationship. And that makes sense with this song for sure. This is not the light side of the relationship. I guess is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. And you know, if any artist was going to tackle the idea of what a relationship is like after marriage, because for a lot of people, that's like the fairy tale ending they're working towards. But really, when you think about it, that's just the beginning. So it is the beginning. It's not the happily ever after. It's just the beginning of a lot of work. We've only just begun, as the carpenters would say. Constant work. Constant work. Speaking of marriage, speaking of Mark, this is from Musique Plus Canada, October 13th, 1999. Take it away, Tori. Um, you live in England now, and yeah. I wanted to know if it inspires you in any way, if it changes the way you write. Sometimes. I mean, sometimes the Brits... I married one, so I have to be very careful here. <laughs> you know, some of my best friends are, and their humor gets us all through very tricky times. But there are just times, right, where you're going, where is the passion? Where is the booty? Where is the sauce? And you can't cuss very well. They can't say fuck, you know? But other than that, I like it. Really don't like the F word? Or, or they, they, no, they can't, completely... no, they can't say it properly. Oh. They say feck. <laughs> just can't say it. Okay. Mock. I love it when she speaks for herself and we don't have to get involved. Mm, me too. <laughs> Why don't you read this from the Women's Journal UK, November 2001. Since 1994, Mark has been the sound engineer on all my albums. When we first met in a rehearsal room in North London, I thought, this is big. This is an upheaval in my life. He's a northern lad, quite anarchic, and a little bit shaggy, you know. When he proposed to me, he said, I'm definitely not marrying you for a green card. I can't live in that place. So I've had to be the one who relocated. Reading this quote, or listening to that quote, taught me two things. When she says he's a northern lad, I think she thinks he's, because he's in the UK, he's in the north, from where she grew up. Okay. So it's relative to her. All so right. So I'm going to land there. I'm going to land there. But then also, this is an upheaval in my, like the fact that she associates him walking into the room. It's like as if he comes with a lot of, not turmoil necessarily, but change. You know, he ushered in a a big change. I hear that in the song. You know, I hear the wrestling. Yeah, and as far as we know, meeting Mark introduced a level of instability into her life and maybe her existing relationship with Eric, right? 
Yeah. She sort of acknowledged, I think, that even though she was with Eric for a long time, they were better as collaborators and maybe not friends, Mm -hmm. but she almost said something like, he was never my sweetheart or something like that, where she felt like a different emotional attraction to Mark, I guess one could say. From Attitude UK, November 2003, she says, A northern lad is there, meaning included on Tales of a Librarian, for the love of my life who changed me in such a huge way. Aww, so cute. Again, I have a hard time reconciling these quotes with the actual song. No, you're right. She has written straight up love songs, but I think it's more Tori to write a song that is wrestles with a lot of different emotion. And that's why we can talk about this sort of being connected to Wild Way, because they both are on the surface. They are not classic, just like I love you song. On that note, I want to press you on something that you just said. Up until press this me. Up, uh, press it. Up until this point anyway, but I would say continuing on, has Tori ever written what we would call a traditional love song? Or a traditional love ballad? I think so. They're all breakup songs, but is there any just like an I love you ballad? You're right. She can write a sick breakup song. Baker Baker, for instance. Yes. I would say Never Seen Blue is a really good love song. Okay. It's a really sweet song, and I know that it comes from a lot of her own pain, but it's about healing that through the eyes of another, with another. Mm. I think that would probably be my pick for best love song of the year, (laughs) or sweetest (laughs) love song of the year. I agree with that. Maybe there are a couple others that would fit that description. I would also like to suggest Merman. Oh, yeah. That's probably as close as Tori could ever get to a traditional love song. Cars and Guitars. That's not yeah. a love song. Keep on driving. Polish is, my rims. Well, if by love you mean fantasizing about leaving one's relationship and ghosting your husband, then sure. <laughs> <laughs> Turning into a car Baby. and flying away. I wish. Say, like, go, go, gadget, sob. I'm out of here. To Ireland. Some days I wish. This is from Cream, Australian Magazine, June, July, 2005. And I want to read this one because I have a thought that I, I was reading through the document that Shay put together before we were, started recording, you know, and I had a thought about this. Ready? Okay. Yes. I had a crush on Mark from the first moment he walked into the room. Amos says, her voice suddenly steeped in honey. Mm. I was in another relationship that I'd been in for a long, long time. That's my impression of steeped in honey. And Eric and I had a great relationship, but we were becoming more colleagues. And I saw Mark walk into the room for the Under the Pink Tour, 1994, January, and my heart stopped. I'd felt so empty at a certain point performing on stage. And during the end of that tour, I was in physical pain. I was aching for a male essence to desire to explore adventure cross frontiers spiritually sexually her expression is grave i've let men into my body before and it's sort of like an in and out burger you know Mm. but this was different this was letting him into the harbor i was drawn to him it was consuming but i didn't make a move because i feared rejection i'd rather sit at my piano and sing to him at the desk and desire him without him ever knowing then have rejection. I couldn't bear the rejection from him because I've never let anyone in that deep except my husband. Never. I like that out of the um, gate, Mark triggered fast food analogies and drive <laughs> drive through references. It was like an In-N-Out burger, you know, except this time I ordered it animal style. Well, I'm telling you, there is a link between cars and guitars and Shay Stymac is here to talk about that later on this oh episode. Oh my gosh, I really can't wait now. <laughs> I hope she references In-N-Out burger. Me too. So let's talk about these harbor lights. <laughs> let's talk about letting him into her harbor. Okay. Right? Have you ever been in a situation where you've been so deeply moved by a person no. No. <laughs> no. Like deeply touched, deeply touched by a person that 
it just feels different. No. It feels different. No? No. <laughs> Never? It could happen. <laughs> Don't worry. It'll be amazing. But have you had In-N-Out? I've definitely had In-N-Out, yeah. Sometimes protein <laughs> style, sometimes with the bun, but either way, it's good. But just this idea of like crushing on someone from across the room for a very long time. and This I am familiar with. Uh-huh. Yes. yes. Wrestling in your mind with the possibility that it may never happen and being so scared to like, you'd rather have the fantasy than to have the rejection. Yeah. But then there, come, then there comes a point where you just can't take it anymore, right? Like you have to say something. <laughs> I feel like you're seeing into my soul. <laughs> Either that or it's a what? very common experience. I'm not sure which. I think that. Okay. But what are you thinking? It's interesting the way in which she holds her relationship with Mark that seems to be totally different than anything she'd experienced up until this point. Even her relationship with Eric, which we have to believe was the most substantial kind of adult relationship she'd been in up until that, that point. point. And so we're kind of going back to Pele a little bit here with that schism and that relationship and maybe Mark coming in sort of causing her to reassess everything she thought she knew and everything she thought she knew that she wanted or could have, maybe. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. that's a lot. That's pretty profound. Once again, I still can't reconcile that with the song Northern Lad necessarily, but we're working on it. We'll get there. We'll get there. Why don't you read this from an interview with Matt Chamberlain? This is from moderndrummer.com in December 2011. Mm, late in the game, 2011. For the song Northern Lad, she wouldn't play it for me ahead of time, so I had to record it the first time I heard it. Tori is a very quirky artist, so I just went with whatever she was feeling or wanted to do. She's very into just getting things down immediately. She didn't want to sit around and tweak for too long. I got called to do this record because the second Critters Buggin' album was produced by Eric Ross, who also produced Tori's first two records. She had been talking to him about how she wanted to do this next record with a drummer, so he recommended me. The biggest thing I learned from Tori is that if something feels good, it is good. Don't be too precious about it. I love that she was very quirky and wouldn't play it ahead of time. Like, just feel it. When you hear it for the first time, feel it and play it. Do you think that was a, a new a new method for her or a new way of recording? Because I feel like in the past, she was very much in control and, you know, there were demos and she would do everything. She would record her part and then, you know, musicians would come in and lay their tracks down. Do you think she was like, let's see what happens. Let's try it. I'm just going to play something you've well, never heard before. Yeah, I have reason to suspect that this was one of the earliest tracks laid down or, or completed at least, mm. simply because of the fact that the guitar player is Stuart Boyle. So it was one of the first guitarists for the album before oh, you're right. came into. Mm-hmm. So I have reason to believe that this was one of the first ones completed that's my thought so that tells me like maybe they were so early in their relationship matt and tori their like working relationship their partnership that like the allure of playing with a drummer is that you can vibe together in the moment Mm. and so she's maybe you know she's maybe trying to not force a vibe but lay out a vibe like like, let's vibe together and let's record it and see what happens Mm. i can totally see her doing that interesting and i don't recall off the top of my head exactly what album she was promoting at the time it might have been doll posse but she does say specifically when she plays new songs for people for the first time including collaborators she's shy about it and embarrassed and Mm -hmm. she she didn't know matt at this point this was their first time working together so that maybe that was never so true as it was here and she was almost sort of hesitant to sit there and like perform for him let's say but rather like let's just yeah play, let's just play together and kind of get to know each other through this musical yeah. conversation that's a really good point i think if you're an artist like i always wondered how she can go to these places live especially like wait hey hey like those places you know i'm sorry what place the way hey hey oh okay those places <laughs> with the guys on stage with her like wow you must feel very very comfortable to like really just i mean you got thousands of people looking at you so obviously you're very comfortable but like what's 
what's three more? I don't know. It just it showed <laughs> like that they were really vulnerable with each other and really comfortable with each other. Yes, vulnerable is the key word, I think. And yeah, like that's something that you build up over time. You don't just start out being comfortable being vulnerable with a new no. person. Yeah. Boundaries. But I would like to correct what Matt Chamberlain said co-produced the first two records thank you yes just to be clear thank you well on that note can i go back a few steps correct something else yeah (laughs) it's gonna sound like a non sequitur because it has nothing to do with northern lad but in the quote we read from women's journal uk november 2001 tori says since 1994 mark has been the sound engineer on all my albums no he hasn't he was her live guy on the under the pink tour but he was not a sound engineer on under the pink so since 1994 to me, that would indicate that he worked not on Under the Pink. Including, not including. You know that's not what she means. Since '94, mm, which doesn't make any sense because Pele wasn't recorded in 1994. It doesn't make any sense. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, I feel like you're trying to rob me of this moment, but I'm always trying to lay the groundwork. <laughs> meaning sometimes, you're paranoid. sometimes what? I'm not paranoid. You're paranoid. I'm not angry. Who said that? Who said that about me? Tori is often wrong. Tori often has her timelines. <laughs> her timelines are often muddled. So to me, saying something like Mark was a sound engineer in 1994 is akin to saying cooling was recorded during the voice for Paley sessions, which it wasn't. So (laughs) just saying she can't be trusted. How comfortable and relaxed you must feel as a person to know that there are thousands of people (laughs) gathering all the information of your life for you. Yeah. So you can just say whatever you want. That's not intimidating Um, or weird. I know. And then maybe also like associates meeting Mark with like since 94, not including 94. Well, whatever. We learned from the best. We can be and fuckers too. <laughs> We're going to yeah. analyze everything to death and get really down to the nitty gritty. So she demands it of us. Mm-hmm. She started this and we're going to end it. Should we get into the line by line? Okay. We're here. Oh my God. We're here already. Can you Do believe you it? Do you feel prepared for this? Well, let me tell you, I'm fresh off the heels of listening to every Northern lad ever recorded to bootleg mm-hmm. that I have. And I feel very prepared. I feel like I have thoughts for a change <laughs> instead of just random jokes mm, i have thoughts if you were a thought you'd want me to thank you you'd want me and to I f- did. thank you <laughs> and guess what i did had a northern lad had a northern lad how do you take this we know for a fact that she's talking about mark because she has said it very explicitly right so had i don't know implies sexually right no. Really? No. I was going to say it implies some sense of ownership, but not in like a gross controlling way, but just like that shorthand for being in a relationship, belonging to someone. I think that there's a sexual thing here. Had a northern lad. I love how you were so scandalized by my mentioning it. No! <laughs> You know I get uncomfortable when things get too erotic. Well, then you're going to be uncomfortable with the whole rest of this erotic song. Oh, Jesus. It has an erotic core. That's right. I should have been prepared. Not exactly had. Well, not exactly had. Make up your mind, Tori. Which is it? Well, okay. So what does that mean? If you're, Especially if you're talking sexually, do you think this sort of speaks to the flirtation that they had when she was still with Eric? Or what's going on here? Well, maybe. I, that, I didn't even consider that. I thought that there was a vague sexual connotation to the phrasing of had a northern lad, but I didn't think of this line sexually. Like, I thought, okay, there's like a double entendre, like that you can kind of read a little sexuality in there. But I always took it as like ownership, had a northern lad, 
well, not exactly had. He wasn't mine. He's his own person. And I've started to look at this line as a concession almost. Like, she does have to sing this to Mark, right? Or she does have to sing it. It is about Mark. She does have to sing it to him in the booth. So I feel like, well, not exactly had is a concession in a way. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I do. And I'm thinking again back to the Boys for Pele era when she talks about being in a love triangle and doing Mm -hmm. some things that were questionable that she's maybe not so proud of. So Mm -hmm. that could mean a couple things. Maybe they were at first just having a sexual relationship, kind of like you mentioned. So their relationship was purely sexual, but that doesn't necessarily mean that she had him in the sense Mm -hmm. that they weren't an official couple. Or, I don't know, what do you think? I think this line has context in the next line. He moved like the sunset. He moved like the sunset. So that's why she didn't have him. He moved like the sunset. I couldn't keep him. I couldn't contain him. Mm -hmm. He was his own being. And given the way that she's talked about him in general, I would imagine that he seems kind of hard to pin down or even hard to know or get close to. Right, maybe, yeah. He's an enigma, it seems like, for sure, right? Mm-hmm. So it seems like he's cold. Maybe that is also a reason why he's a northern lad. Okay, we're making some progress. A, I like it. He's an Eskimo. He's cold. Eskimo. God who painted the... God who painted that. Oh, well, that's just really beautiful, right? Yes, but I'm sorry. I know this is not the inflection or the way it's intended to sound at all, but I've never been able to hear it any other way than God who painted that. Not me, thankfully. (laughs) I just think it's such a, to call someone, it's like what she said when Kevin Aqua died. Do you remember the statement she made? That he's in heaven painting sunsets? Yes. Right? Yeah. I thought that was so beautiful. She had such a way with words. It reminded me of this line. He moved like the sunset, God who painted that. That it's just such a thing of beauty. I think you're right. And, you know, Mark seems to unlock specific language for Tori. Um, Maybe she not only goes into kind of art speak and fast food speak for that matter, but also art speak because here we have the sunset and a painting. And in something like 500 miles, she calls his body or refers to his body as being like a sculpture. So, mm, you know, she's talking about them chiseled calves. (laughs) She just want to take like a little bite out of them. First to love my accent. First, he loved my accent. I remember reading an online thread war on one of the forums. Now that they're all gone, they're all gone. I can't even remember which forum it was. Was it an undented? Was it the dent? Was it at forums? Was it unforums? Who knows anymore? She does, someone said she doesn't have an accent. Like, this is not about her. But then someone was like, everyone has an accent, dummy. Like, everyone has an accent to someone. <laughs> Did they actually say dummy? It turned heated as many Tory arguments often do online. Yeah. Which I can only attribute to the fact that we all feel like we own her music and we all have like a deep personal connection with it. So it's very personal to us when someone gets it wrong. (laughs) You don't have to tell me. Let's not forget that in the midst of the noun V verb debate, someone referred to me as a foolish boob. I never, (laughs) I never have been so affronted. (laughs) Well, you do have some foolish boobs. Well, (laughs) what knockers. But yeah, she has an accent. He loved her accent. Great. Great. No, I mean, like, it's clear to me, like, she has an accent. He has an accent to each other. They have accents. Of course, yes. How his knees could bend. How his knees could bend. Mm. Is this where it begins to get problematic for you? Because it's too sexy? No, I look at it as, like, she's holding herself above him. Like, I, when she says how his knees could bend, I picture her with her hand. Like, you know that 
picture of her and Michael Stipe with her hair blowing in the breeze I do. and kissing her hand. Yep. That's what I picture. That's exactly what I picture oh. when I get to this line. You think How he's his knees could bend. You think he's actually bending the knee like in Game of Thrones? <laughs> bend the knee. Uh, to I don't Tori. know what that means. <laughs> I haven't seen that show. You don't have to tell me. But I never took this sexually, but what do you think? No, I never looked at this line as being sexual or as him being subservient to her. More so just literally she's obsessed with his legs and she's referenced them repeatedly really? and kind of seeing him walk away. So I think that's kind to of me, just a more poetic way of saying like she's commenting on his actual legs. You're actually you're so right. She was like super into his legs and she did comment on it several times. To make boys for Pele, Tori traveled to Ireland she recorded the album in an ancient church near Dublin with the engineering team of Marcel Van Limbeek and Mark Horley. When we started doing Boys for Pele, we made a, a very stressful time in the process. Very manic, redhead. Busy. Yeah. Like, but as the years have gone on, it's, it's got so much more laid back. And I, you know, I really think it shows in the work too. She's just so into what she does. For Tori and Mark, those recording sessions turned out to be the beginning of a beautiful relationship. Boys for Pele went platinum, and Tori and Mark fell in love. I kind of looked and saw these kind of um, gorgeous calves walking in the distance, and that was kind of the beginning of the end for me. Tacky, but true. I never linked that with this, though. And I didn't mean subservient, but I meant like a courtship, you know, how his knees could bend. Okay, that's, like a, he would, yeah, that's a better way to put it, for sure. Yeah, like he was, how it, this whole first verse is like setting up paradise, right? He moves like the sunset. He's beautiful, like a painting. He loved my accent. He would court me. We would be, it was so romantic, you know? No, I really like that, especially that idea of courtship. And that's so evocative that even though it's a picture of someone else, Michael Stipe kind of holding her <laughs> hand and her hair blowing back, I think that's such like a great snapshot of this moment. And just that kind of idealized beginning of a romantic relationship, for sure. I love that. One of those meme experts out there needs to put Mark's face on Michael Stipe. <laughs> <laughs> I think... Kind of going back to his actual legs, I do think when Mark shows up in a song, sometimes his legs are mentioned. I think there's a thread of Mark and Merman also, and she says mm -hmm. he's a merman to the knee. So there are those knees again. Mm. She loves his knees. She does. She was always obsessed with legs. There, she was obsessed with legs and with hair. On stage in one of the original bootlegs, she said, I wanted the hair. I always dated guys that had hair that I wanted. Yeah, that's true. Right? So that's that. And then legs, she was always talking about her thighs. She thought her legs were chunky in the 92 tour. You know, she was always talking about her legs. You're right, though. She is obsessed with hair, too. Even on the Little Earthquakes video, remember? When she has that technical issue during Little Earthquakes, the song, and the tech guy comes oh, out, yeah. and she's like, look at that light on his hair. See, isn't that good? Yeah. <laughs> isn't, that, isn't that happening? Isn't yeah. that happening? <laughs> I'm glad he came out because his hair looks really great with this light on it. I was telling him earlier, he needs to walk around with his blue light. In the happening see, isn't that good? Thought we'd be okay, me and my molasses. I thought we'd be okay, me and my molasses. This tells me, so I don't care what I said before. I remember saying on Liquid Diamonds that I thought that molasses might have been her baby, everything inside. I thought we'd be okay, me and my molasses. I think the molasses is him. Here. In this song, I don't know about Liquid Diamonds, but in this song, I thought we'd be okay, me and my me and my sweetheart, me and my sweetie, because this whole first verse is really sweet. It's about this one person and this building of a relationship that's really beautiful. It looks to me like that's what it's about. So I thought we'd be okay, me and him. I thought we would be good because we're, you, we know where the song goes. We know they're not okay in the song, right? I think I thought we'd be okay is setting up the breakup or whatever happens, you know? 
in the song. Do we think that one of the other motifs that kind of comes up when she's referencing Mark is molasses or something sweet? Because there are repeated mentions in multiple songs to both molasses and sugarcane. And we even talked about it on the Abbey Road episode. And we sort of zeroed in on the fact that we think that's about her relationship with Mark as well. And she references sugarcane in that song too. So I think she somehow associates that image with him. Interesting. And molasses is made from sugarcane, right? Yep. So I would have to agree. I think that, like you said earlier, he unlocks certain phrasings or certain words or certain vocabulary for her, especially in songwriting. We could also tie in, I know you just said she mentions molasses in Liquid Diamonds and it might not be the same reference. And we talked about Mm -hmm. molasses being an offering of some kind. And so if we sort of want to go back to the miscarriage narrative and the way she's talked about that experience and how it brought her and Mark closer together, maybe that's what this references to molasses means here. Like she thought we'd be okay, but that life kind of slipped away. And that's also causing her to reassess her relationship with Mark. That's really wonderful because I imagine probably in a situation like that, there's turmoil. It's probably really hard to grieve together with someone. Yeah. To remember that he's also going through something really terrible as well. So to make space to grieve together, to let to grieve, obviously you have to grieve alone, but to, to, be with each other and grieving together as well. Yeah, and when you experience trauma like that as a couple, it's usually a crossroads, right? Where you have to decide, is this going to sort of drive us apart? Or are we going to decide to forge on together and this will ultimately bring us closer? And we have to believe that that's Mm -hmm. what happened, but maybe there was a moment there where she wasn't so sure, or they weren't so sure. Would I feel something is But I feel something is wrong. Now, to go back to what you just said, this to me now rings very dark of the moment where she talks about feeling something was very wrong. Mm -hmm. I agree. So then this becomes not only a song about the Northern Lad, but also sort of an ode to this life that they created together, Mm -hmm. like the act of creating life together. So then for this line... this cake just isn't done the cake and molasses makes complete sense to me right yeah they're linked in that way Mm -hmm. you know obviously when someone's pregnant we mentioned having a bun in the oven but hers is not a bun it's a cake it's a cake it's a cake and you know she's also referenced cake before in baker baker in terms of kind of a relationship not reaching the desired culmination or you're right point that you want so Well, a more traditional read on this would say, you know, that she is feeling something's wrong in the relationship, right? Yes. That I feel something is wrong. And that we end with... Don't say that you don't. Don't say that you don't. That supports there's something wrong between us. Yes. Because I feel something is off between us and you can't say that you don't feel it as well. Mm-hmm. Do you know that song, MacArthur Park? Someone left their cake out in the rain. Someone left the cake out. My dad used to have that on eight track when I was a child. And my dad was like super, I thought, I assumed super into Donna Summer, whoever it was. But he was really just into cake? I don't know. I don't know. To the, for the life of me to this day, I don't have any idea why he was so connected to that song. But when I was buying seven inches for my jukebox, I bought MacArthur Park so that he would have something to play when he came over. Oh my God, that's so sweet. I can't handle it. Your dad really, just, we just continued the peel the onion of Bob Jr. I can't imagine him sitting there. <laughs> 
like having a real moment to MacArthur Park. <laughs> right. I won't rest until you know that dance move that you do when you're voguing, where it's like you're looking into a fake compact and you're like powdering your nose fakely. Yes, I I'm will doing not it right rest now. Until he does that move <laughs> in a Vogue battle <laughs> with your parents. <laughs> oh man. Well, I didn't want to tell you this, but they've been practicing all quarantine. So oh, shit. It's gonna be something to behold. And if you could see and if you could see me now how do you take this line i feel like this is the moment where she's looking back on past relationships in general maybe one more so than any other but that takes me back to her saying you thought you were loved for being who you really are and you find out that that wasn't true Mm. i feel like this is sort of a nod to those prior relationships and her saying i've moved on and i've become more than i was with you That's how I always have thought of it as well. My new current thought on it is that she's crawling on the floor in a really bad way and something's gone wrong, right? If you could see me now, like it's not good. (laughs) Like Mm. what I'm going through, like how I am right now, it's not good. And if you could see me now, it to me is so sorrowful. I can't quite explain. Let's try to get me there, David, (laughs) because I can't quite explain how I feel about this line right now. But if something is wrong, and the cake just isn't done, and the relationship isn't going well, you know she's having bad thoughts, or you know that she's in a state of distress. Because it feels more to me like a howl rather than like a moment of pride to another relationship, right? If you could see me now, you'd see how well I'm doing now. You thought it was bad if you could see me now. You're right, and that makes more sense given the tone of the rest of the song. So do we think she's sort of subverting that phrase or that language you know if you could see me now usually we say that as sort of like celebratory or like i've made it baby but maybe she's turning that on its head and this is kind of another version of her crawling towards that phone that's not ringing yeah exactly like if you could see me now what you've done to me or what i've done to myself or like where i'm at right now to me that then becomes a through line to this line Girls, you've got to know when it's time to turn the page, when you're only wet because of the rain. Mm. Because one of two things, this relationship is over, this cake just isn't done, it's over. So she's turned the page, she's realized that all of the wetness that she feels is just because she's being poured water on. There's no substance to it, there's nothing internal happening, there's no deeper meaning to her wetness. Or... She's saying, if you could see me now, like you said, to prior relationships, if you could see me now, I'm in a much better position. Take this as a lesson that you need to know when to turn the page because that wasn't right for me. The previous relationships weren't Mm. right for me. I was only wet because of the rain. And now, if you could see me now, I found the one and how complete I am and how happy I am. So I don't know. It's one or the other, that's for sure. (laughs) Well, now that we've really dug into this, I want to propose that This is probably one of the songs that came very, very early on in the songwriting process. Maybe Mm -hmm. it was born with IE and Cruel on that little vacay Tori took Mm -hmm. that we've talked about extensively because it seems to me that she's still working through a lot of the unresolved material from the Boys for Pele era. Mm -hmm. And I'm also seeing a lot of subject matter or tonal overlap with To the Fair Motor Maids of Japan with the things that I turn into when it's time to turn the page. I feel like these songs are kind of linked and that they're both written about the same relationship and almost the same point in her life. So... 
I think it's a great metaphor when you're only wet because of the rain. It just is so clear that this relationship isn't healthy for you. Yeah. That you're not getting anything. You're not getting true. You're not a mango, you know, a juicy mango, as she talks about. Yeah. You want to be a juicy mango and you're not. You're like a dried piece of mango fruit that you get in a bag that got rained on on your way home from the (laughs) grocery store. Or maybe you're just like a dried up circus peanut, which is the the worst candy of all time. Well, don't tell Lisa B that. It's her favorite candy. Are you serious? Yeah. Lisa B, we need to talk. We are not here to judge people's choices in this world. Not the way our lives have become during quarantine. (laughs) But obviously we can't read that line and not think of it as sexual at least in part, right? And to me, that's always... I, it, never, I, it never occurred to me that it was sexual. No, 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 no. I'm, I'm not even joking. Given not until it, when you said erotic core. I was going to say, given everything you know about the erotic core of Northern Land. <laughs> well, that's why I stopped you when you said that. It was so earlier in the episode. I stopped you. Do you remember? Dead in your tracks when you said that? Cause yes. It never occurred to me. You have shaken me to my erotic core. <laughs> Um, when you're only wet because of the rain, just to me was about that it's all surface. It's all just on the outside. There's nothing going on inside. I don't know why I didn't because I have, am I a female sexuality denier? (laughs) I have never thought so. No, I think you're okay. (laughs) Okay. I'm sorry, ladies, that I didn't think that you got wet when it wasn't the rain. So to me, I've always sort of read that line, at least in part, as the moment when your relationship is finished and maybe you're yeah. like literally no longer having sex or you're not attracted to each other. Or yeah. like she said, we realized that we were better off as colleagues than we were mm-hmm. as romantic partners, you know, sort of coming to terms with all of that. I agree. I think that you have to know when it's time to turn the page. You know when it's over. It's so and... hard to turn the pages when they're wet, too. They get all stuck together. Well, yes, but honestly, like, let's talk about this. You've got to, you know when it's over. And wouldn't it be lovely to be able to just turn the page and to save yourself the heartache and the turmoil so that you're not screaming on your knees in the middle of a rainstorm because of the rain, you mm-hmm. know, where you're not just like howling at the sky. Imagine if you didn't have to put yourself through that. I'd prefer not to. I feel like this takes a turn here when she starts screaming because of the rain. What do you think? Yes, for sure. Here comes the rain again. Shoo up, shoo up. show much these days gets so fucking cold he don't show much these days it gets so fucking cold so who's she talking about here's my thought and i've spent a lot of time with the song the last couple days i had this kind of revelation about this line i always thought the line was like he doesn't come around much anymore right he don't show much these days yeah But now I believe it to be like he doesn't reveal much these days. Mm. He's closed off. It's so lonely to be around him because he doesn't show anything. He doesn't have any emotion. He doesn't seem to be invested. That's when I'm like in the shower screaming at the top of my lungs this song now. It's because that really resonates with me. He don't show much these days. It gets so fucking cold. Yeah. God, you're screaming in the shower like Alanis. I know. Would you forgive me, love? So that's interesting because that to me brings it back to Mark, whereas I might have read this as her, again, sort of referencing Eric and sort of on the precipice of that breakup, like seeing it more 
as you said, of him actually not coming around anymore. Yeah. Or being Well, that's there. how I always had thought of it. I always thought that until just like I had this crystal clear moment where the steam from the hot water revealed this vision. And honestly, taking it back to what you said and being clear, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tap my pen because let's be clear, I agree that this song is not just about one thing. And I never thought of it before, but I do believe there's a thread of that miscarriage narrative in here. Mm -hmm. Because if they're grieving together, he don't show much these days. It gets so fucking cold. When you have a partner who's the type of person who grieves quietly and doesn't want to share with you or doesn't want, like it can be very hard. Yeah, and as we know of Mark, sometimes he got a smoke to cry. Yeah, oh shit, you're right. (laughs) (laughs) Or he smokes instead of crying, which is what I think that means. So, yeah, wow. Also, I have another question for you. How did Tori throughout the 90s avoid getting parental advisory stickers on her albums? One F bomb's not gonna do it, especially because it's not sexual. Oh, yeah. Tipper Gore was only afraid of sex. If it's not referring to a sexual act, you can say it's so fucking cold, like, as an adjective. But if you're going to say you're fucking in the cold, that would be a (laughs) no-no. Yeah, exactly. Tipper Gore only was concerned about our teenagers having sex. (laughs) I loved his secret places, but I can't go anymore. Again, with the line before, as I always read that, like he doesn't come around these days and now we can't go to the watchtower or the lookout point or wherever he really took me that I loved. Now, secret places are his secret places, his parts on his body that you always have a part on your partner's body that you love, but you can't go now. Right behind the knee. Because he's so cold, he's so distant. Yeah, exactly, probably for her. (laughs) I loved his secret places. I loved the actual physical spots on his body. This could very well be actual physical physical places on his body that has occurred to me too but I kind of always took it more as his emotional secret places especially oh, yeah, yeah, given yeah. the line For before sure. right that he's just unavailable mm-hmm. or he's withdrawing there's no way in I agree with that I think it's a combination of the two and maybe even in a different read it is actual physical locations mm-hmm. you know that can reveal like that they would go that there was a courtship you know that they would go to places that were secret and now they don't go anymore mm. You change like shit, cane, says my northern lad. You change like sugar cane, says my northern lad. Mm. How does sugar cane change? Well, you can use it to make molasses. Oh, yeah. <laughs> right there on the page. Yeah. Well, that takes me back again to motor maids and the things that I'd turn into. And again, Mm -hmm. sort of this thread or this idea of not being enough and constantly wanting to be more or better, at least as far as you're concerned. So maybe this is sort of an acknowledgement of a very early point in their relationship where Mark was kind of observing her behavior. And I think she said that too, that she was kind of going from man to man and she was up to no good and she was lost and he was watching all this and he finally talked to her about it and essentially told her, maybe think about getting your act together. Yeah. It never occurred to me that this could be from that moment, you know, Mm -hmm. just because it's here in the song doesn't mean it's about this. It's not a chronological narrative, Tori song, you know? Right. It's not a date book. It's not a planner with all the things that you did written in. I kind of wish it was though. First she did a diary, then an impressionist painting, a novel, and now it's a date book or a planner. (laughs) From the Choir Girl Hotel is a planner. I guess you go too far when pianos try to be guitars. 
I, for one, am very grateful that she got this line into the album because I know she came up. I just have a sense that she came up with this line independent of anything else and worked it into a song. You know, it came from somewhere. I feel like this is such a brilliant line for her. She went from them wanting to replace all the pianos with guitars, and now she's trying to be a guitar. And Mark is a guitar. If we're talking motifs, right, in her music? Yeah. Cars and guitars. Cars and and guitars. And I think we've talked about that when she references guitars in a song, it's often to symbolize a male figure Mm -hmm. or to reference a male in the song. But she also literally wanted to be a rock chick and to front a band, to be the front woman of a band, and that never changed. So I think she was Mm -hmm. always wanting to be kind of that rock and roller and to kind of make the piano, which is her instrument, obviously fit that mold. Or try to do something experimental with it are different mm-hmm. try to be different than what people think you are mm-hmm. and she went too far too far tori amos then how does this fit into this song or into their story again i think this is maybe mark observing her trying to be everything to everybody oh yeah or be something she's not yes and her finally having that awareness too that she was oh. trying to please everyone Feel the West in you. Obviously, Sunset, right? Yeah, move like the sunset. I feel the West. God, he's like a weather vane. He's up, he's down, he's north, he's west. I know. (laughs) But I feel it falling apart too. So the West, like the sunset, might be kind of an ode to that beauty too. Or that idea of initial perfection, maybe. I want to say that the West sunsetting is a bad thing. So it should say, I feel the West in you and I feel it falling apart too. But here in this song, West is a good thing. Like uh, he moved like the sunset, finding your sunset with someone, riding off into the sunset and the horizon. You know, that's a good thing. So I feel the West in you is a positive thing Mm -hmm. in this song, I think. And West can often sort of be used to reference adventure or a new frontier or going off in a different mm-hmm. direction, mm-hmm. so. And then she feels it like it's uh, the relationship or whatever is happening is tearing them apart. It's right. falling apart. So it's almost like, again, we're on this precipice, which are we gonna choose? Are we gonna move mm-hmm. forward together or is everything gonna come crumbling down? And don't say that you don't feel it as well. Like, Mm -hmm. you've got to feel it too. And this is why, and if you could see me now, for me, is, as I said, she's crawling on the floor. If you could see what I've become, that I'm devastated by this. Because it, it keeps that refrain or that part of the chorus comes immediately after her talking about how her relationship has fallen apart, right? Both times, yes. both verses. You're absolutely and brilliantly correct. To me, there is no longer any sense of eat your heart out, baby, here with this. If you could see me now, <laughs> line, it's all just horribly sad. Thank you. Thank you for that. Right. You're welcome. But then, yeah, you're welcome. You're welcome. That's what I'm here to do. <laughs> Make you not want to get out of bed. Right. <laughs> Don't need any help. Believe me. <laughs> Girls, you've got to know when it's time to turn the page. Girls, you've got to know when it's time to turn the page. Again, like, you got to know when it's over. Got to be able to pull the plug. When you're only world, 
Okay, so how do we feel about this being a love song now? <laughs> I think it's a true love song. Now that we're like gone through the line by line, I think it's like an actual honest love song. Like it's not a saccharine happily ever after story. It's about actually going through the muck with someone and actually like living a life together and what happens when you're having a really bad time of it or something really terrible happens and you have to deal with it and with each other. Like what happens? It's a true song about a love as opposed to like a love song, quote unquote. It's a song about your love. I agree. You took the words right out of my mouth and I want them back because now I got nothing to say. No, but I was going to say I... <laughs> Let me shove them in. I shove them back in. I agree that this is a true love song in the sense that it's authentic. And like you said, it's not saccharine and phony, but love and life mm. are messy. Yeah. And this is a real relationship. So I love the song so much more in 2020 than I ever have. And that's, that's, that's so bizarre to me because I've known the song and I've listened to this song so many times and it's just never, it's kind of all been a wash. I'll play it in the live section, the moment of revelation with the song that I had. And it was from, I think it's Phoenix. I think the Phoenix bootleg of the legs and boots. There's a, there's a moment. And I even texted you like a, three weeks ago. Do you remember? I was like, yeah. you got to listen to this five seconds in the song and like prepare to die. Like you're going to, your heart's going to be shattered into a billion pieces. These are the texts like, I live forgetting in the middle of the night. You have to listen <laughs> to timestamp two minutes and 34 seconds of Northern Lab. 55 seconds. Seven, whatever. <laughs> But I did send that to David, and you were like, okay, uh, maybe I don't get what you're trying to. <laughs> but for me, it changed everything. It really, really did. I'll get to it in the live section. I can't wait. Do you like the song a little bit more now? We've done it. I would rank this song above Raspberry Swirl on this album for sure, based on our discussion. Yep. Wasn't it already above Raspberry Swirl? I don't think it was. I think oh, this okay. might have been it the bottom. It was below bottom. Raspberry Swirl? Yeah, I wow. think so. I think this might have been at the bottom. Fuck off, Swirl. Northern Lad is my god now. Damn. Yeah. <laughs> as much as I love Cunnilingus. I love boys more. I do. <laughs> love me a Northern Lad. So I think we should bring Shay in right here to talk about her, what she sees in the line by line. Okay. Before we get to the musical section, let's talk to Shay. Shay? Don't Shay that you don't. Hi, Shay. How are you? Hi, I'm doing great. How are you guys? I'm doing well. How are you, David? I'm doing pretty well. I'm excited for this conversation. Shay Steinmack is here because she has a little insight into Northern Lad and a sister song, a potential sister partner. So why don't you tell the people? Well, um, first I have to say, when I first brought this idea to my sister about these two songs being linked in my head, she kind of thought I was crazy. And I think she doesn't really understand me. And I don't know that the listeners will either, but I've put a lot of thought into it. So <laughs> let's see what you guys all think. Um, so I don't really exactly remember when the thought came to me. It might have been like at a live show or something where the, the two songs kind of clicked in my head. Um, but I think that they're totally linked. Which two songs? Northern Lad and? Oh, Northern Lad and Cars and Guitars. Mm. Yeah, it goes beyond both of them, you know, potentially being about Mark. But um, I kind of created a world in my mind, like totally separate from the Tori and Mark relationship. And I think that this is what Tori is kind of referring to and hoping that we will all do as listeners, you know, like that the songs will go on and live their own lives and, and she doesn't really have control over them anymore once they're out. But it's the world that she creates with the music and we, you know, as 
lifelong devoted listeners are able to kind of take those creations and build on top of them with our own thoughts. So um, anyway, these two songs became linked in my mind as twin sisters. They have been separated at birth. They've had totally different upbringings from one another and experiences throughout their lives. And they have no idea that the other one even exists. And I feel like uh, the Northern Lad Girl could have been brought up maybe and lives in the Pacific Northwest, possibly Washington. And Cars and Guitars is possibly from deep Louisiana state. And the two sisters kind of seem to be coming from similar situations. The boys that each girl have chosen and become involved with have left very much to be desired. Um, they're both kind of abusive relationships and each of the girls have done anything and everything to kind of fix and change themselves to make these guys happy and the lyrics that paint this part of the picture pretty clearly in my mind are damned if you do damned if you don't I swear it seems of late I've even curved this body to fit your bow and the the mirror image to that one is from Northern Lad I guess you go too far when pianos try to be guitars so they're kind of like you know changing whatever it is about themselves to just make these guys happy. And both sisters are kind of burying so much about their true selves just to appease them. And while Cars and Guitars sings, the rain can confuse the thought that comes in rhythm, Northern Lad seems to reply and respond perfectly to that line with girls you've got to know when it's time to turn the page. Like she's kind of telling her like, I don't know, like she's just replying to her. And, uh, they also kind of sound the same, like they're singing in unison sometimes, like there's Northern Lad wailing because of the rain and in an identical way, keep on driving from cars and guitars. They seem to like sound exactly the same the way that they are singing. Um, and just the way that those two lines are presented, it's as though these two sisters are kind of crying out to one another in sadness, but also comforting and supporting each other without even knowing that the other exists. So, we need to yeah, get on okay. Maury and reunite these sisters. <laughs> are we going to do a paternity test? We can. We definitely can. Just to make sure. <laughs> you are the sister. <laughs> so when I read this email, Shay sent us an email dated, you ready for this, David? Dated May 9th, 2017. Prior to uh, Native Invader Tour, prior to anything, I filed it yeah. away under our Northern Lad episode, and here we are. And when I read that email, I didn't think much about it. But then, as I was doing the live research for this episode, did you know, Shay, that in 2005, she performed Northern Lad nine times, and eight of those times were back-to-back -back with cars and guitars? No. I think I only just realized that within the last year or so. But yeah, that's yeah. kind of cool. Yeah, a little spoiler alert for our live section, but that's true. They were back-to-back -back for most of the shows that she played Northern Lad at. Maybe in her mind they are related in some way or, you know, yeah, that's so cool. Is it possible that they're sisters or is Cars and Guitars an older version of Northern Lad? Like, what became that of Northern That was my Lad? question as well. I feel like, well, I don't know. I feel like they are like twins. Like, they're, they're twins and they were kind of like separated at birth for whatever reason. Like, maybe one of them was baby snatched. Oh. <laughs> I love true crime. <laughs> maybe cars and guitars. <laughs> yeah. Well, Shay, we always enjoy having you come in and share your theories. You have other theories. You have other song sisters. Let's give, let's give the people a, a glimpse. Can we give them a taste? Sure. You'll have to remind me. Um, I don't have those in front of me, but I, and I can't really think of, I'm, I'm, my brain is a little bit scattered right now, so you tell, you tell me, you remind honey. me. 
Welcome to England in Trouble's Lament. Crucify and body and soul. Mary and dark side of the sun. I can't wait. Mm -hmm. We'll have you on our Mary episode to talk about that. Okay. (laughs) Good. What do you guys think? Do you agree or think that that my thoughts are completely out of left field and and stupid? Or do you you think that you can understand kind of where I'm coming from? I feel like both of those songs, I feel like they are in the same, uh, absolutely the same vein. And I never, it had never occurred to me. Like I had never been, David and I just talked about how this is supposed to be a love song, right? Like we always assumed it was like a love song for her husband, but it's kind of, Mm. it feels like a breakup song in some ways. And then you have the seductive, Tori's version of seductive, cha-cha-cha-cha-cha in Cars and Guitars, right? (laughs) But it's really like, you know, Uh you feel her like kind of moving and, and vibing, but it's not a good song. It's not a happy song. I don't think it's an outlandish theory at all, and I wouldn't need further evidence to be convinced, but you throw on the pile the fact that she plays them back to back, and that's pretty much all we need to know, I think. Right. (laughs) Right. You've uncovered. You've uncovered the mystery. Yeah. I try my best to be a good detective. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Any other things you want to say about Northern Lad while we're here? Just, you know, it's a beautiful song. It's actually, I, I remember when I first, you know, was absorbing the album, Northern Lad was one that totally stood out for me. I loved it so very much. That's still true to this day, but it's kind of one that, like, for instance, if, if she plays it live at a show that I'm at, I'm like, oh, like, I kind of wish, like, I could be hearing something else. But, <laughs> but I do love Northern Lad, yeah. <laughs> I do that. I mean, I'm sure we all do, but like, how lucky are we to be sitting in any show? She could play leather every single song and, you know, we would be so happy to be there in the moment. But like looking back, we're such brats. I have the complete opposite experience because I have fallen during the course of doing this episode. I have fallen into deep, deep, not just love, but deep commitment (laughs) with Northern Lad. And I oh, like I, there's no other song that I've been listening to at all. Like I just will, I have been for several weeks listening to Northern Lad on repeat. Like that is it. Once I get to listen to this episode, hearing this episode, I'm sure that that's going to do the same for me because when you guys you know go through each song, it totally does that for me too. Like I'm like, oh yeah, this is where my love is for the song. This oh. is where this lies, you know. And so I'm excited for that to happen for Northern Lad too. Mm-hmm. To be fair, we all seem to develop Stockholm Syndrome every episode with whatever yeah. song we happen to be <laughs> talking yeah. about. We're like, oh my oh my God, I love it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah that's well, true. that's why we're all still here to this day, right? I mean, this woman. That's true. I, we're just, we're so, so very lucky to exist at the same time that she does. <laughs> I can't imagine my life without her music. Once again, Shay Stymack here to reveal all to us. Shay, you do so much work for the show. Thank you so much for your notes, and thank you so much for your insight. We'll obviously have you on again. Thanks for having me, guys. Hi, Michael. How you been? Hi, I'm good. What a thrilling summer. <laughs> Tell the people where Northern Lad sits for you on From the Choir Girl Hotel. It sits way up there for me. It's one of my iPhone alarms every morning. What is your favorite lyrical moment and why? Probably girls, you've got to know when it's time to turn the page when you're only wet because of the rain. I love when Tori swivels around to address us directly like that. Mm-hmm. Like she does in Snow Cherries from France. But I also love the move like a sunset. God, who painted that? The God who painted that packed in there is so good. And I love transposing that cliche of the like, wow, it's just unreal. It looks as if it were painted that cliche onto your lover. 
Describe this song in three first dates. The first goes decently well. Awkward silence is kept to a minimum, but the sex is underwhelming. The second first date, okay, the last guy was dull. This guy is a dullard. He really believes in astrology, and he feels comfortable going ahead and describing himself as a moderate. The third is a risk because you've elected to see a movie and must sit in silence beside each other for two hours. But the discussion outside after is really lovely and he's perceptive and just the right height. And he seems relaxed enough to be laughing in a kind of like generous, authentic, unperformative way. So this one might work out. Would you rather be a piano or a guitar? I'd rather be a piano, of course, but I do identify with Tori's insight there. Where is the perfect place to listen to Northern Lad? I'd be very happy listening to Northern Lad in, in the hotel where it's in the kind of smoky cabaret lounge. Have you ever fallen in love with a Northern Lad? And are they better than Southern Lads? I was close to love, I think, with the Northern Lad ones. And I do imagine them to be better. What's your favorite secret place someone has ever shown you? I once visited a friend in Portugal who took our group of friends on this hike in the hills behind his grandparents' property. It was kind of like in the country, you know, like an hour away from Lisbon. But that really felt like a kind of secret. I wanted to honor that little view. Did you hear about the fling I had with Santa Claus? You did? No. Yeah, I was really into his North Pole. <laughs> I'm sure. Big enough? Huge. Gigantic. <laughs> All-encompassing. And if we could see you now, what would we get a glimpse of? You want to know what I'm wearing? <laughs> Gym shorts, of course. When was the last time you turned the page? Okay, I mean, I just finished Virginia Woolf's To the Lighthouse <gasps> yesterday. It's a rather cold book, ultimately. A beautifully precise psychological insight. Thank you so much. We'll talk again. Thank you. We've worked together longer than we've been married. So our working relationship kicks in much easier sometimes than being compassionate married people. But maybe that's why it's fiery. I mean, it gets, you usually want to have an affair with your engineer anyway. I mean, I did. And so it's kind of easier that I'm married to the guy I want to have an affair with. It sort of works out. Saves on divorce lawyers. What do you say, David? Should we listen to Yanta? I think we should. And I think sort of narrowing down just the music will help me sort of assess my relationship with the song as a ballad. What do you think? Yeah, I I agree with you. Let's listen to someone with some talent. Yeah. (laughs) Had a I get right away from that, like, those descending notes, how soulful it is. It feels almost like a a dirge. No, not like a dirge, but it feels very soulful. You're right. Soulful is a great word, and it has a swing to it that I don't think we quite get on the studio track when it's fully produced. Yeah. I guess I have a limited notion of what a ballad all that a ballad can be and i do i need to expand my mind a little bit but if anything i would have called this kind of mid-tempo pop Mm. not necessarily a ballad don't say that 
I guess I get tripped up on that because when I think of a ballad, particularly where Tori is concerned, I think more of a Baker Baker or a Winter or mm. something like that. I think this falls right in line with that in some way. It's just that it's got more production to it. Like when I think of mm-hmm. a mid-tempo Tori song, I think of Crucify or a sort of fairy tale. Okay, that's fair. When I think of an up-tempo, I think Professional Widow Remix, girl. Hey. <laughs> I guess this is kind of traditional songwriting um, as far as Tori's concerned. She really is kind of following the vocal mm-hmm. melody that mm-hmm. she's singing, which is a little unusual for her. heavily influenced by singer-songwriters of the 70s and I feel like this is the first time on record where that influence really shows through in her work. Mm. What do you think? I wouldn't say it's the first time on record but you, you're right there is such a 70s influence here. Um, yeah. I'm thinking like I even hear some kind of Carly Simon or Carol King. Yeah for sure I think it's kind of a rich potpourri of you know, Carol King, Carly Simon, and Simon and Garfunkel, yeah. maybe. Yeah. Just in the chord progression and then just the deep bass parts. Mm-hmm. This is very warm and rich sounding, which again aren't words I would use to describe the studio version really. Would you what what words would you use? Cold and wet and rainy? Well, I kind of would say cold, and maybe that is just, you know, more a factor of production um, and the way the vocals were recorded. There's a lot of space in it, and it's not a warm-sounding track to me. Extending your arms behind you right now. <laughs> oh, I should have been. That was yeah. Yanta performing Tori Amos, performing an instrumental cover of Tori Amos's Northern Lad. You can support Yanta at patreon.com slash Yanta, uh, where we are supporters of him as well. So join us in supporting our favorite Yanta. We'll be right back to talk to Kathleen Patron, superfan extraordinaire. This is Daryl Banner with his 8-bit cover of Northern Lad.
on the line we have Kathleen Patrone, our 2017 European tour correspondent. She's here because Northern Lad is one of her signature songs, and she's going to shed some light on it for us today. Hi, Kathleen. Hi, Ephraim. How's it going? It's going well. How are you guys? I'm good. Excellent. Kathleen, talk to us about how you discovered Tori Amos. I don't know that I know your origin story. Ah, Tori. Well, it was back in my high school days. I was dating a guy, and his sister was into Tori. So I found out about Tori from him. Was it love at first listen? Yes. Is there any other way? (laughs) Actually, there is. (laughs) David was love at first listen with Crucify only. He would never play anything other than Crucify. Yeah, it's true. How did you discover Northern Lad and what made that sort of your signature go-to? Because I remember you in 2017, like, loving Northern Lad. I do. Uh, Northern Lad, she's my number four. Mm. Girl number four. And she's been in my life a long time, obviously. I heard her first back in 98 when Choir Girl Hotel came out. At that time, I was 25 and a half. So at a very different place in my life. For those of you who don't know me, that was about 20 years ago. So I was at a place in my life and uh, where I was at a big turning point. And this song always reminds me of that time in my life. And how did things work out? Well, do you want a little more of the backstory? Sure, I would love it. Absolutely. I didn't want to go too far. Okay. We're respectful on this show, (laughs) right, David? Yeah, we don't want to go too far like a piano trying to be a guitar, for heaven's sake. (laughs) That's right. And I'm glad you mentioned that because for me, this song represents being true to myself and being courageous and being willing to make a change when I knew that my life wasn't going the way that it should be. Really? So back in 98, I was living in a small town in southwest Missouri, which was not my first choice of places to live, but my parents offered to pay for my college if I chose a state school. I grew up in St. Louis, and so there aren't really a lot of great options in Missouri. Everywhere that's not in St. Louis is a very small town in the middle of nowhere. So I went to school there. I got a job at a school where a student taught. I bought a house. I bought a car. And then I was like, oh, my goodness, what am I doing? I live in the middle of nowhere next to cows. And uh, that wasn't the way I envisioned my life to be. I'd always wanted to live in California since I was in elementary school, even though I'd never been to California. I was just abnormally attracted to California, you might say. (laughs) Ooh. Good one. Good one. (laughs) Thanks. So it took me a long time to get there. Uh, In my late 20s, I finally moved to San Diego and uh, left behind a person in my life who wasn't really a good influence. I'd been seeing the same guy from 19 to 26, so almost seven years. And he was a nice guy, but he was making some poor life choices, kind of lacked ambition and was a little self-destructive. So it was definitely time to turn the page for a number of reasons. And this song helped you? This song sort of helped you sort out your thoughts on it? Yeah, it just reminds me of that time, like, you know, be courageous. You know this isn't right for you. You're trying to make something work that's never going to work. You're kind of wasting your time. So, you know, move on. Don't just turn the page. It's time for a new book. Wow. (laughs) You know, not a new chapter, new book. Yeah. And now look at you. You live in California, your childhood dream. Yeah, San Diego. With your beautiful little dog. Beautiful Tyler Anubis Patron. <laughs> As a, a super fan, I guess you could say, of Northern Lad, do you consider this song a ballad or a love song of any kind? Because Eve and I have talked about it, and 
Tori sort of frames it as a love song, which doesn't quite ring true to us necessarily. I would agree with it being more of a soulful, beautiful ballad. Maybe Tori thinks about it that way because I believe she's been quoted as uh, referencing the song being about Mark. Mm-hmm. So that would make sense for her to feel it's a love song. That's a good point. Is like it's to her it's a love song, but to everybody else it like exists in a different space. It reminds me of someone that I loved at one point in my life. And certainly the beginning, like the couple's in a beautiful sort of honeymoon phase in their relationship, right? Everything's like great on the surface, beautiful sunset, couple's yeah. in love, things are going well. What we arrived at, I think, is that it's kind of like the truest sort of love song. It's not like this blinded love song where everything is going to be hunky-dory, but it's uh, like what happens when you truly love someone and try to make a life together and <laughs> the ups and the downs. Um And that way it's like a real life love song. I think it's about loving yourself too. I was looking back at the notes. She was quoted about never being enough and realizing you don't love yourself. Mm -hmm. And that was certainly true for me. I mean, it's not that I didn't love myself, but I wasn't treating myself as well as I deserved to be treated. I needed to kind of step into my confidence and my power and make smart choices for myself and do what I wanted. Did you find that when you did that, your life changed, your world changed? Oh, absolutely, because, you know, I ended the relationship that just, it was never going to go anywhere. And so that line that um, the cake just isn't done, like Mm -hmm. I could have kept baking that cake, but it's never going to turn out right. So I just had to part ways and move on and... That's very inspirational. I I like what you say, too, that it reminds you of that time in your life. It's not necessarily the song that pushed you forward, but do you have fondness for the gentleman, like the old guy? Uh, I do. I I used to keep in touch with him still, and um, he hasn't really been active on Facebook, so I don't know. I know it's just so sad. The song reminds me of him, too, because he just never, he could have been so much more than he chose to be. Mm-hmm. And there's a line from another Tory song, when are you going to love you as much as I do, that just really reminds me of him. Because when I was younger, I had that savior complex. You know, I wanted to save him. I wanted to help him. Um, but I could give him all my love and it still wouldn't be enough because he was lacking that self-love. So that I hope that he's doing well. I haven't seen him on Facebook in a long time, but still wish the best for him, even though it wasn't right for me. Has your relationship with the song changed or evolved over time, or does it always just kind of take you back to a snapshot of that point in your life? It does sound like you have kind of a bittersweet relationship with the song, or that's kind of the emotion that it conjures up for you. Mm, Not really. I mean, I was analyzing it because I knew you were going to interview me, so really going back to like how I felt about it. But now when I hear it, I just think it's sad, it's beautiful. In a way, it reminds me of a good thing because it's how my life was. And it wasn't exactly the way I wanted it to be. And so I had the confidence and the courage to make a change. And certainly moving to California is one of the best choices that I ever made. So I'm always happy to hear Northern Lad think of it. Because it reminds me that I stepped into my power Hmm. and just ended a situation that wasn't right for me. The line, uh, I feel the West in you, for me that represents my move from St. Louis to California. And it's about me moving to the West. And so when you... I also think of that line as referencing back the beginning, the sunset and the beautiful part and the love in the beginning. So that love 
And that sentiment is still there, even though we had to part ways and I had to move west and go on with my life. Would you call that your favorite lyrical moment? Ooh, no. It's hard. There are a lot of great ones. In Give it songs. to us straight, Kathleen. You show us yours and then we'll show you ours. <laughs> I have to pick just one. I mean, I think I have to go with it's time to turn the page just because that was such a pivotal point in my life and I needed to turn the page in multiple ways. But another reason that I like that is because I feel like in my life, I was kind of going through the motions and doing things that people expected me to do. Like my parents were like, oh, you should go to college. You should get a job. You should buy a car. You should buy a house. And those are all great things, of course. But deciding to move to California was the first decision that I was really like, okay, what do I want? I want to live in California. That's what I'm going to do. And so it's a, it's a liberating song, too. David, what's your favorite lyrical moment in this song? You know what? After our discussion, I have to say that it's, and if you could see me now, because I kind of got to a different place with it. I used to read it or hear it the way one typically does. When you hear that sentiment, you know, like, um, like you could have had me, boy, type of thing. Right. But after our discussion, it's more, um, if you could see the low point that I've reached or the things that I'm capable of, and it's not kind of like uh, rubbing your nose in it type thing of what you missed out on it's a lot sadder than that and now yeah. i kind of love it so oh. how about you i think my favorite is you don't show much these days it gets so fucking cold and not just because she curses <laughs> but just like it encapsulates the loss of once having had someone's attention and time and trust and then they kind of close off to you in whatever way, whether it's they're not revealing their truth to you or they just don't come around anymore. And just, it, I feel that line. I feel it in my chest. Uh, <laughs> Kathleen, what's your favorite musical moment? Oh, I really like the beginning. It just starts out beautiful mm -hmm. and sad. The opening notes. Mm -hmm. David? Um, I'd have to go with kind of the crescendo and we called it a whale, I think, or you did Eve of because of the rain. <laughs> it really is kind of heartbreaking and I don't know, soul shattering. Like a howl, a cry. I'm sorry, a howl. <laughs> yes, it's more feral. It's more of a howl. <laughs> I think that's my favorite too. The end, how it just kind of, she keeps going. Because, yeah, mm -hmm. I love it. <laughs> Although I have to say that the more I hear you do it, I prefer your version. But that's okay. <laughs> They're both good. Kathleen, anything else you'd like to say about Northern Lad? I guess I would like to share a little advice for everyone. You oh, know, if you're do. in a place that's not working for you, you know. Because when I hear the line, if you could see me now, like the first time she says it, I'm in that place where I don't want to be. And then towards the end of the song, it's more, it's not really triumphant. I, I agree with David. I don't think it's like in your face, like, look at me now. But you end up in a different place at the end than you were in the beginning. Yeah. So it's transition. So your advice is if you are in a place that you don't want to be in, be courageous. Yeah, like if you're not making the right choices or if you're not where you want to be or someone's dragging you down, even though they don't mean to. Don't be afraid to part ways, move on, and make the choice that's right for you, even if it's not the easy choice in the moment. Like, look at the end goal. Solid advice from Kathleen Patrone. You can find her on Instagram at Kathleen Patrone. No, you can't. <laughs> no, don't find her. Do you want me to not say that? <laughs> you can say it. You oh, can okay. leave it in there right like that. Oh. You can look, but you won't find me there. <laughs> oh, yeah, because she never, you never post. Because <laughs> I'm not on Instagram. Oh, well, no, you're I not. have an account. Yeah, you are. I am. I'm following you. You are? Yes. Uh oh 
Well, thanks. <laughs> I'll, I'll throw out a post every now and again. Then. <laughs> okay, I am on yeah. Instagram, ladies and gentlemen. Yay. Find me at Kathleen Patron. <laughs> Find her at Kathleen Patron on Instagram, or you can listen to our tour all year from last year where we did an interview with Kathleen about her Tor Amos touring experience. Listen to that. Follow Kathleen. Thanks, Kathleen. <laughs> Thanks, Adrian. Thanks, David. This is a cover by Jace. We found it on YouTube, and we'll link to it in our show notes at songsoftoryamus.com. Deep Thoughts, May 6, 1998, from Dusta Bunny, subject, but I have to get to Texas school for the deaf. Hello, my nautical nuns, back from my field trip early. It was the bomb. Damn, Tori, for making me say that now. We went to Texas school for the deaf, and the little kids under five were so adorable. They haven't fully developed their skills, so they were clumsily asking our names and grades and all this stuff and signing shyly when their crack-fiend teacher asked them to. The woman was nice and all, but damn, where did she get that energy? The high schoolers and middle schoolers were kind of hostile towards us. Some of them thought we didn't understand American Sign Language, so they began saying mean things about us. My signing skills aren't fantastic, but I knew perfectly well what they were signing about us. But I guess they get a lot of that same shit from us hearing people. Anyway, this has further convinced me to minor in deaf education. Where's the Tory content, you asked? Well, all the way there I was listening to From the Choir Girl Hotel, and I am permanently in love with Northern Lad. I even ran my batteries out. And they were new batteries, damn it! I made my teacher listen to Northern Lad, because if you all remember, I was the girl who signed Winter in China for my ASL class, and I loved them both. And my teacher remarked, she has a gorgeous voice, but then she signed, did she say a bad word? And I had to nod and apologize, but she didn't seem to care. Also, this one girl was telling me how she saw Tori on MTV and asked me if she should buy the CD with China and Winter since she loved them both. But she'd wondered if the rest of the CD was as soothing, and I was all, I don't know, I like it all. So anyway, I'm making a tape for my ASL teacher with all the soothing songs, including Northern Lad, because class is throwing her a surprise baby shower Friday. 
that is all I really have to say about that. Those kids were so cute. I want to steal one, damn it. All right, I'm calm now. Take care. Bye-bye. Me the flea. You told me one time that your ballads just kind of come to you. And on this record, there's a song called Northern Lad, which contains this lyric, I guess you go too far when pianos try to be guitars. Was there a point in your career where you were ever questioning whether you should rock harder, get away from the girl at the piano image? And have you, in fact, done that with this record? Um, when I realized that the only thing I could do good with a guitar was smash it up against the wall, right? <laughs> then I really sat down at the piano and looked at her and said, okay, I have to find a way to satisfy this yearning that I have inside me. And yet nobody wants us in their band. And so we had a little chat of well, if we kind of do our own thing for a while and just be really patient, then maybe somebody will want to be in our band. So we've been very patient, the turtles race, you know. You just sit back, you do your thing, styles come and go, you keep doing your thing, and then eventually you wake up and go, psst, I think it's time. You don't even know why it's time. It's just, we changed together, she and I, and... uh these these three guys just sort of stepped forward and it seemed like the time it's that simple well we are back with the live section david do you feel alive i do feel alive that's so funny i was just about to say that thank goodness we're in sync we're aligned i only feel alive because of the rain nevertheless i'm willing to say we're like a fine-tuned unit like the band on the plug tour like the devlins dive in just like the devlins or the unbelievable truth even i want to read this quote from entertainment today september 19th 1998 the day after my birthday Uh we were all recovering exactly (laughs) hungover (laughs) tori says when i go to the piano every night in that setting there's just a passion that happens with the music and a sensuality and an honesty of the heart where i don't feel like I have to justify anything. It's really about some Dionysian frenzy where you can let sides of yourself that you may have judged really harshly to come to the forefront and look at them. Whether it's a side of me that can be quite violent or something that I've been taught to feel negative about, I can invite them consciously as a part of my personality and recognize them in myself. Mm. I often, too, bring my Dionysian parts to the Tory shows. Believe me, I've seen it. We all have. Yeah. I get really bacchanal, flailing my head around, eating man's flesh. I know. And you have, like, buckets of popcorn in each hand, just, like, tossing kernels everywhere. It's wild. (laughs) So what do you think she means when she says, when I go to the piano every night in that setting? She's talking about her live show. How do we think that Mm -hmm. differs from the passion she no doubt brings to the piano when she's recording or writing? Is that where the frenzy part comes in? She's, like, feeding on the energy of the audience and just, like, uh, feeling it. It's the idea of live theater versus cinema. Like, the recordings, anything can happen and you can fix anything and, you know, you have to take it back and maybe, like, work on this section and then you work on that section. It's a little bit more stable. 
sterile, right? Even mm-hmm. though she does play live on in these recording sessions, that was what was such a big deal was that she was playing live with Matt. There was a dangerous element or anything can happen sort of idea. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is always present in the live show. I think that's what she means by every night there's a passion. Like you just have to kind of go for it. Like it's going to happen. It's going to be two hours on stage in front of 5,000 people. So it's going to happen. Yeah. In 1998, Tori Amos performed Northern Lad 42 times. And first of all, I want to start, I want to preface this live section by saying I've listened to every existing recording of Northern Lad. I know. And you were live tweeting to me. Yeah. (laughs) From days of yore through the most current iteration, I've listened to them all and I love them all. And I've selected a potpourri of my favorites. Mm-hmm. Is that how you say it? Yes. The first one I want to play for y'all is 41898, the very first time she ever played it at the very first show of 98. And it's the very first performance in Fort Lauderdale. Roll it, Oliver. love hearing the first time she debuted a song despite that loud ass audience that wouldn't shut up the whole show <laughs> i know what's interesting is that it has sort of existed always in the same form it hasn't really changed that much um, that's not what we're here to track we're not here to track the changes that northern lad or the evolution we're here to track like just beautiful moments moments of beauty throughout history mm. of playing the song or zany you know, bloopers speaking of zany bloopers Caden's guitar won't work on june 15th in vienna 1998 here it is <laughs> Zany, isn't it? Zany. Do we think his guitar wasn't working or he was protesting the fact that he wasn't on the album version? <laughs> Do you think he was sabotaged? He was making a stand there in Vienna. I shall not play. <laughs> it's funny because Tori's like, just leave it, Caton. So whatever happens, she tells him to just leave it. Mm. But here, I found this review on The Dent. Would you like to hear it? Yeah, I sure would. <laughs> I almost asked, are you talking to me? Like there's someone else. <laughs> like, Are you asking the audience? Would you like to hear it? Arm extended. <laughs> This is from a review on The Dent from Uli, alias Wilma. And she says, after Secret Time, the band came back and they started Northern Lad. Caton's guitar wouldn't work, which was fun because of the lyrics. And I feel something is missing, but I feel this cake just isn't done. After she sang It Gets So Fucking Cold, she said, don't worry, Caton. Hey, and really, the sound would come again. She continues on to say... At the Munich concert, Eric told me that Caton was actually willing to stay in Vienna because Eric had talked to Caton after the show, but eventually Caton decided to go back on the tour bus. So <laughs> he decided to fulfill his contractual obligation. Right. 
<laughs> I wonder if he was like, this is bullshit. My guitar won't work. I'm staying. Yeah. <laughs> he gives up pretty easily. It falters on one song. I'm through with this bullshit. Right. <laughs> I live here now yeah. like one of the Von Trapps. Right. <laughs> so I thought that was interesting and fun. A fun find. Fun you, Kate and find. What do you think? We've seen Tori stop a song when like the backing track doesn't work or whatever, but full band, aside from audience interference, has there ever been a technical difficulty that's caused her to abandon a song? Due to something that happened with another instrument? Yeah. I don't think so. I don't think so either. I don't think so. There's a God in 99 in one of the To Dallas and Back shows where Matt doesn't quite hit the beat right. Mm. And so the, there's this like emptiness and she's like, that's okay, let's go again. And then she just does it again. She gives the dung, 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 you know, the liquid diamonds notes. Uh-huh, yes. <laughs> and then they get right back on track. I don't know that they've ever stopped because of one of the guys. Not to my knowledge either, but if it's ever happened, we'll find it by the time we're through the band era, right. for sure. It's true. It's true. Does that make them better players than her? That they've never messed up? <laughs> <laughs> Here's Northern Lad from September 18th, a very special day. Your birthday Anaheim. is very prominent on this episode. My birthday is very prominent throughout Tori's career. You'll find that my birthday was the release of Strange Little Girls. My birthday was the start of a tour. Like, yeah, you'll see. I know. When she starts um, a new album cycle, she gets her calendar out and she's like, okay. And I appreciate it. Thanks, Tori. Sure. This is from Anaheim in 98, September 18th. There's a little improv before and she didn't do improvs before the song. She would always just launch into the song. So this is unique. <laughs> This is more of a promo performance. This is December 22nd, 1998 on the Rosie O'Donnell Show. You don't show much these days. It gets so cold. I love these secret places. But I can't go anymore. It changed by the sugar So 
So 42 times she played it in 1998. She played it one time in 1999. Mm-hmm. She's over it. She was over that lad. And interesting because it wasn't during the first handful of shows where she was playing most of the Choir Girl songs before she mm-hmm. moved on and abandoned right. kind of the plugged format. I wonder what the connection was in Toronto. Maybe it was a request. Perhaps. Here it is from September 7th in Toronto. her first solo tour she would play the song seven times of course this is the first time she ever played it solo and this is september 29th in clear water clear water is usually a good show do we consider that a tory home base show of sorts there's like a handful of home shows right so all all 20 cities that she plays when she's in florida i consider them home base shows seriously Here's October 4th in Charlotte. She made a little whoopsie. I hope she laid down a tarp. That was seven times in 2001. Should we go on Scarlet's walk? That's ready. I got my kids on. Scarlet, walk it out. This is November 12th in Fairfax, Virginia. The first time on the tour. And the only time we're going to play... She skipped this song entirely in her 2003 Lot of Pianos tour, but brought it back nine times in 2005 on the Summer of Sin. Mm. Would you consider this song sensual? Sensual? I consider it more sensual after hearing the instrumental Yanta version. Soulful and sensual. You said it has a swing to it? it? It's got a swing. Yeah, it's it's swaying like a porch swing in the (laughs) South. I don't know. Because of the sway. Here's Naples, Italy. There's another improv in front of this. This is July 8th, 2005. 
All right, we're through into the American Doll Posse era, and she played the song eight and a half times. And we say half because she attempted to play it in Boise, Idaho on November 30th, and listen what happened. you guys so we have to do another song it happens sometimes it happens sometimes it happens sometimes yes it happens sometimes almost 100 shows and That's from, you can purchase that right now on iTunes, Boise, Idaho, 11307. Go purchase it. Get with it. This is my favorite performance of Northern Lad of all time. And this is Phoenix, Arizona, December 11th, 2007. And the reason I love this performance so much is because of the way she hits the notes on 
when pianos try to be guitars and she hits them in a way that she's never hit them before. And I can speak with authority because I've listened to all of them <laughs> and never hit those notes the same way after. And to me, it like it will instantly make me burst into tears. It just... <laughs> I was going to say, I don't know how you grabbed your phone and found my contact information in there to text me, how you could see through the veil of tears streaming <laughs> down your face as you were listening to this performance. <laughs> It's you know how like in the real world when they went to London and Neil the performance artist said he wanted to find the decibel of music that he could play that would make you instantly crap your pants. Mm, yes, the brown she note. She found yeah, the brown note. She <laughs> found the blue note, which is just it like accesses. It's like when I got my COVID test and they shoved this swab up my nose, how it instantly made my eyes water. That's uh -huh. what this is. Wow, it Northern just... Lad is like having a swab jammed up your nasal right? cavity. But in a good way. <laughs> it really just plucks my heartstrings and it just sounds so deeply sorrowful and so like she's in such mourning. Oh, mm. Roll it, Oliver. You change like sugar cane. I do. Okay, I gotta get it together. All right, I'm back. I'm fine. Everything's fine. If Tori can do it, you can do it. I've listened to that a million times. Truly just that five-second sample. God, you okay. really do love to torture yourself. <laughs> it's like that Lisa Simpson meme. I rewind the part of the song to hear over and over again because it hasn't hurt me badly enough or something like that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. When a song I play to hurt me doesn't quite hurt enough, so I play it again. Yeah. yeah. Something like that. Yeah. I wish that Tori's camp got really granular data, streaming data, and saw that someone had just been like rewinding five seconds of Northern Lad over and over and over in the middle of the night. <laughs> like, what is happening? <laughs> well, I can't wait till my Spotify stats come out at the end yeah. of the year. <laughs> what we didn't mention it was that in 2005, in the nine times that she played it, eight of those times were in the same show with Cars and Guitars. Seven of those times were back to back with Cars and Guitars. Like, next to Cars and Guitars, either Northern Live first. So th obviously the song, Shay, I think is right, has a link. She played it five times in 2009, and the first two times she played it, guess what she played right after? Uh, tell me. Guess. I've given it all to you. Cars and Guitars? You just have to connect the dots. Yes, David, Oh my yes. God, you blew this thing <laughs> wide open. I blew this thing wide open. Shay blew this thing wide open. Yes. This is the first time she played it in 2009. This is August 3rd, 2009 at the Chicago Theater in Chicago.
I want to play this one. This is from October 7th, 2009 in Berlin at the Tempodrome. She played this right after Hotel that night. And I just, there's something about this version that I just, I enjoy very much. Roll it, Oliver. So in the Midwinter Summer Tour, Tori has performed Northern Lad three times, and here's my preferred version from the three. Here's Milan, Italy, July 13th, 2010. She tells a little story. Some of you may know this, because I might have told this before, but in um, the mid-90s, I did something that you weren't supposed to do. I did many things I wasn't supposed to do. But I did the most most baddest thing that I was ever supposed to do, which was um, fiddle around with the crewman. So let me explain something. In, in, let me explain something. In our world, especially before um, file sharing, um, there was just an understood thing that artists did not shag crew. Do you know why? You've got a good crewman, the artist shags the crew guy, no sound guy. So everybody's fucked. Because you fucked. So that was the rule. I broke that rule. And I really, really, really broke it in Tuscan. On Tori's Night of Hunters tour, David, do you remember that tour? I sure do, fondly. She performed Northern Lad five times. Solo, right? Because uh, Yanta hadn't quite given her the uh, string quartet <laughs> arrangement yet? Not yet, which you can find if you are a Yanta supporter. Even if you're not, you can find Yanta's string arrangement on YouTube. So this is one from a show that is really meaningful. This is when she was in South Africa, in Johannesburg, South Africa, on November 13th, 2011. have been like with a string arrangement i think it could have been very cool i think so and too. very sad i think this is one that would have leaned towards the sad absolutely i think this the song would have shown with the string quartet arrangement i would have asked one of those violinists only to pluck 
the rain. That's what I would have said. Oh, so wow. So the three of you play, but one of you just pluck the rain. Pluck the rain. That's like natural yeah. wonders realness. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> she did not play this song at all in 2012 on the Gold Dust Orchestral Tour, but she came back with a vengeance. Screaming with a vengeance. In 2014 on Repentant Geraldine's tour to play it 13 times, David. Golly. Yeah, that's the most time she's played the song ever since 1998. Why do you think that was? Maybe she was really into her husband. Maybe she, you know, she had just written Wild Way and she realized that she hated him, but she loved him. I don't know. It's always been. Yeah, I guess so. Wild Way, Wedding Day. It was a very husband tour. Yes. I'd like someone to write a song about me one goddamn day. How do you know they haven't? <laughs> I mean, Tori herself took the oath that she wouldn't talk about the inspiration or the stories behind her song. So maybe the songwriter that you were amused for <laughs> took the same oath. And it's like, no, no, no. I would never acknowledge that this song is about Eve. I would never tell anyone Flagpole Sitta is about Eve. <laughs> <laughs> I resent that you assume that the songwriter I'm amused for is different than Tori Amos. <laughs> I mean, in addition to. Right, right, right. Because it's clear I'm responsible for Wings. Yes, obviously. In 2014... She performed this song 13 times, David, and one time in 2015 on the 2015 version of that tour. You know how she had like a redux? Did she? Yeah, she was like, this is doing so well in 2014. Let's do it in the summer of 2015 as well. Let's keep this party rolling. Yeah, I'm gonna, exactly. I'm going to keep not apologizing into 2015. Still unrepentant. Forever unrepentant. This is Sunday, May 11th, 2014 in Manchester. Here she is on Saturday, May 17th, 2014 in Paris. Here she is performing Northern Lad in the North. This is June 15th, 2014 in Moscow, Russia, Mother Russia. She couldn't have been more pleased with herself. I, I bet that song slaps different up there. Totally. <laughs>
she would ever pair Northern Lad with Blame It on the Rain by Millie Vanilli. That's my request for next uh, tour. I finally <laughs> landed on it. If only. On Monday, August 18th in Nashville in 2014, she ended the show with Northern Lad. Very strange. No, no, not strange. Northern Lad. Sorry. Crazy. No, not crazy. No, Northern not Lad. crazy. <laughs> song showed up one more time in that tour on November 20th, 2014 in Sydney, Australia at the All Request show. Here you go. He Some of these requests were Tories. <laughs> I have a hard time <laughs> believing that Northern Lad made the list. That many people asked for it. No, I think a lot of people do ask for it. Bearing witness to the Native Invader tour, where she performed it eight times, people were requesting the song a lot. Well, yeah, but speaking of witness, people were also requesting witness. We didn't see that. Made pins That's and true. everything. I believe Kathleen Patron, our guest for today's episode, even requested it, if I'm not mm. mistaken. This is the first time she did it on Native Invader. This is September 11th, 2017, again in Paris. was doing it a lot like back to back especially on the european tour i was gonna say this song was very present on the european leg of the tour and then it kind of disappeared on october 26 2017 she performed it in madison where she debuted to the fair motor maids of japan which was basically like her husband's show you know yeah the sexiest thing is trust came after pick out your cloud uh and then ended the show ended ended the main set with northern lad hmm. i see you tori
here's the last time she's played Northern Lad. To this day, it is November 7th, 2017 in New York City. Get a rope. Get a rope. <laughs> And she ended the set with it, the main set. Yeah. I love this song. I hope we see it again a million more times. I think we will. I don't know about a million. You might need to curb your expectations a teeny bit, maybe half a mil. I refuse, David. I can have it all. You're a woman of the 90s. You can have and do it all. David, we've made it to the end. We sure have. Can we commission a Northern Lad dance remix to which I can choreograph a flash dance type routine, like pull a rope during Only Wet Because of the Rain and lean back and just be like covered? (laughs) Like, and there's an aerial shot looking down at you. For sure, yeah. With your breasts peeking through your white tank top. Yes, we're crowdsourcing this moment. Get to work, folks, please. (laughs) You know what this means, that we're at the end of our Northern Lad episode? That we're on the brink of hotel? The Nothing is standing between me and hotel. I cannot wait. How do you feel about that? Uh, I feel nervous. I feel underprepared. I've only been preparing for 22 years, David. I needed another 10. I know. Are you ready? Or are you going to find ways to drag your feet? Like, no, no, no. I'm not ready. Not, not ready. Just a little bit more research. Just a little more prep. I mean, knowing me, yes. Expect that hotel episode to be out in three months. I know it's not quite the same, but you did super well with Donut Song. Like, you dove in, you weren't uh-huh. intimidated, and that's a special song to you, too. So you got this. We're all behind you. I've never been afraid of Donuts. <laughs> I never met a Donut I didn't like. I never met a Donut that I didn't dive headfirst into. <laughs> <laughs> What's your favorite vocal moment, David? Uh, my favorite vocal moment of Northern Lad has to be that final wailing because of she because! she takes it when she goes high we go low and sometimes when she goes because. high then she goes low because yeah it's because and then oh, over. <laughs> could you tell that was me or did it sound like I was just playing the audio from the album because that was spot on <laughs> it was spot on how about you um, I think my favorite vocal moment when she says but I feel it's because she sounds so like overcome with emotion like she's about to sob but What do you think were the conditions of the recording session for this song? Because we both agree that it's really early in the process. We have the evidence that Stuart Boyle recorded the guitars. She wouldn't play the song before for Matt. So it's kind of like they were feeling each other out, we agree. But I feel like also maybe there was some alcohol flowing, maybe some red wine flowing. I feel like she's mournful or sorrowful or loose and drunk. I feel like the vocals are wild and just so relaxed. 
that something must be going on there. What do you think? Yeah, and we talked about maybe this is one of the first songs that they recorded. Given what Matt Chamberlain had to say about like not having heard the song before, so maybe it was just like a late night jam sesh. I think I'm, I choose to believe everybody in that room was shwasted. Totally shwasted. Totally shwasted. If you like this show, if you like what we do, head over to patreon.com slash songs of Amos, where you can become a patron supporter of our show. We have many different perks at many different levels, and we also have patron-only contests. For example, our weekly bootleg contest, which is happening on our patron-only feed for any patron at any level. Every week we put up a song, and if you can identify it, you win a prize. It's that easy, David. Dare to challenge Shay for the crown. David, unfortunately, is ineligible to win because he's affiliated with the contest. Story of my life. If you love what we do, you can follow us on all our social media. We have Instagram, we have Twitter, and we're Songs of Tremus on both. We're also Songs of Tremus on Facebook. Bleep bleep. Anything else, David, I guess? No, let's not overstay our welcome. If we've learned anything from Northern Lad, it's we gotta know when it's time to turn the page. Thank you for tuning in, and we'll talk to you next time with Total. Total. Total copy. Drive All Night is a production of the Sideways Society. For more information and links to things mentioned in this episode, please visit us online at songsoftoriamus.com.